yeah, I'm Alex. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Welcome back, horror fans. It's Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time, because we're on a globe. And that means it's time for another episode of the Weekend Horror Podcast. The only podcast that's checked the children lately. Mm, very good. I like that one. Thank you. Thank you for joining our live show and for all of our podcast listeners. Be sure to check us out so you too can interact directly with the show. This week, we're covering select films released in horror history, May 16th through May 22nd. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm not Alex. I'm actually Johnny O. And with me tonight are JL and Eugene. Good evening, horror fans. What's up, everybody? Can, we, can I go by not Alex today? Sure, you can go by not Alex today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that works for me. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Yes, um... Currently, Alex is out. He has a very sick kiddo. As he said in the chat, he's got a super sick kiddo on his hands tonight, and his wife is eight and a half months pregnant, so she's going to take, and she's dealing with the other kids while uh, they take the toddler over to the urgent care. So uh, Johnny is filling in for Alex while he deals with that. Um, we wish her all the best. I hope that she's doing okay. Hope it's just something temporary. Um, woo, let's see what we have. Who see who we have in the chat tonight. I see that Tina Jones was first. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Tina. Nice. All- Thank you, Tina. Always a pleasure to have you. Let me see here. Prime Red is in the house. Good to see you, sir. Ivy Gentry's there. It says, okay, I'm here, but not, go- uh, but not good for much tonight. My only words of wisdom are don't get inebriated enough to watch Cooties because there isn't enough to get messed up. There isn't enough to get messed up enough for that movie. That movie's pretty fucked up. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Do what? What did I miss? Cooties. Oh. Yes, yeah, uh, the Elijah Wood, Rain Wilson, Allison Pill, uh, you know, children eat contaminated chicken nuggets oh, and uh, turn yeah. into, yeah. yeah, it's funny as fuck. It's also really, really disturbing because, you know, little kids like, you know, eating people and playing with their intestines and because they don't just turn into zombies. They turn into like psychotic asshole zombies, blood, yeah. like, like just bloodthirsty, just like rip you apart and play with your inside zombies. It's that kind of fucked up. You know, like those are my favorite comic. Kids, like so. playing, like playing uh, marbles with your eyeballs and shit like that. <laughs> shit was like said eyeballs there. So many different ways you could have gone with that one. Playing <laughs> or playing, playing uh, eyeballs. Like ah, oh. Well, that was the scene. There could have been other things on that playground. No, I know. I just funny. That's funny. All right. Let me see. And uh, Alex, I see here. You popped in. Uh, Jinju. Um, definitely our thoughts are with the Alex and, uh, let's see. Thank you so much Jinju, for stopping by and, oh, it jumped on me a little bit. V Remcan, good to see you again. And, and the George said, who says, uh, he is on time. Yes. And the George. I you am on time. <laughs> <laughs> you are on time. Thank you so much for popping in. Uh, I know that we'll probably have some other, uh, other people popping in as well a little bit later on. Be sure to smash that like button because it really does help us with the dreaded algorithm. I hate having to do that, but they force me. They force me to do it. And no, Prime Red, I have not been demoted. <laughs> why would you think I've been demoted? Why would you be demoted? I have you're no idea. Top, you're in the top left corner. Oh, I am in the top left corner. I thought I'm always in the top left corner. I thought you were always in the middle. I thought you liked to be in the middle. I do like to be in the middle of the sandwich. You just call it a JL sandwich? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's damn right. A <laughs> little bit of turkey. Oh, so many bad jokes. So many bad jokes. <laughs> a little bit of... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the turkey. 
You know, and a little bit of uh, maybe some white bread, maybe some rye bread. Just a little in the middle. Yeah. Just. <laughs> I didn't know you were Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we didn't have much going on this past week before we jump into uh, to tonight's selections. But I did want to mention to the live chat. Because I thought this was really cool. We at Weekend Horror are really, really uh, big fans of an old Showtime series called Masters of Horror. And the Masters of Horror series basically allowed... It was a cable show, obviously, on Showtime, that allowed some of the big names in horror, like John Carpenter, Stuart Gordon, and other individuals to do... Oh, Prime Red said, don't I do the... Oh, we alternate the intros, Prime Red. Yeah, we oh yeah, that, that's what we do. So yeah, I'm always in the top left, um, but we alternate intros. So I try to let everybody get a chance to do the intro. So tonight would have been Alex, but Johnny took over. Next week will be me because last week was Eugene. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like the circle. Uh, do what? With three corner, like the, the triangle. The, c- the circle of life. <laughs> Why did you just remind you remind me of that gif? Of when he throws Sim off the cliff. Oh, yeah, where he's like, <laughs> yeet. <laughs> oh, roll, roll credits. PhD Tony, one of our amazing patrons, is in the house. Good to see you, PhD Tony. Always a pleasure. So, um, but the Masters of Horror series is a really excellent series because the Showtime brought in these magnificent directors that we're all huge fans of, and it ran for three seasons, and they pretty much gave them you know, a blank check to do whatever the fuck they wanted. No limitations. You come in with your little... We come in with... It was kind of an hour. It was almost an hour long. It was about a 45-minute. So you come in, and they will shoot an episode for the series, and it would be kind of like a 45-minute kind of movie. And... If they could do whatever they want. No limitations on either sex or violence or blood, gore, you know, what it doesn't matter. They, and so we get to see our favorite horror directors just cut loose and tell the stories that they really, really want to tell. And there were some amazing episodes in the Masters of Horror series, especially in season two. Season two, we got really fucking good. But uh, I try, you know, what's awesome, the reason I'm bringing this up is because the Masters of Horror series is now available on Tubi for everyone to see. Which is for really free. for free. What is, what is, yeah. what is, what is this? What is this? What is Tubi this? is a streaming service. Oh. And they just hey, Crafty Keela, you're jumping in to give a like, and now it's sleep time. Well, what? she's way ahead of us. She is. Yeah, it's like two or three o'clock in the morning where she is. But Crafty is also also one of our amazing patrons. So love her absolutely. She helps make this show possible. And there's Man Devil too. Excellent to see all these magnificent people. Now but... you're a man. Man, man, man. <laughs> you're you're going to get his copyright struck. <laughs> that was my shitty scene. <laughs> but Crafty Keela helps us make this show possible. Um, she's she's absolutely amazing. We love her so much. But yeah, uh, highly recommend. Anybody in our live audience, if you really dig stuff, you really dig kind of like short, like I would say short form horror, like episodic horror, then definitely go and check out uh, Tubi if you haven't. Uh, I don't have any promo codes or anything to give you, but it is free. You can go and check that out, and they have all of Masters of Horror available for free for you to watch. And I highly, especially if you if you really want to dig some, your favorite directors just, you know, be like, fuck yeah, I could do whatever the hell I want. No studio limitations, no whatever, no budget restrictions, because Showtime dumped a truckload of money into these things. You know, that's the place to see them, see them at their absolute best. 
So I wanted to let people know about that. But other than that, unless anybody's, how has everybody's week been? Everybody good? No. Oh, busy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we have been busy. Yes. Uh, Eugene has been crazy busy because, man, oh man, oh, when are we going to be able to tell people about our big project about this big thing that's coming up? I want it once it's in the can. So we we start shooting May twenty first. Awesome. So the podcast after that. The podcast after that. Okay, we will be able to yeah, make that yeah. announcement as to why Eugene is so tired and lifeless when he's on the streams because he is. Because he is working his fucking ass off to make our dreams come true. Yeah, I'm actually, so, because we have this, and then we're going to go ahead and do the bloodbath, and then I'm going to downtown Dallas to do location scouting for the last location. Fuck yes. Gonna be good. Oh, I cannot wait to show you guys this thing. I really can. I'm chomping at the bit. See, this is the, this is the, mm-hmm. the position I'm in. My job is done. So now I just have to sit back and be patient. And I don't want to be patient. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to happen now, now, it, but you know, this, this is the nature of the business. It's like Jojo, the idiot circus boy, the pretty new pet. <laughs> this thing can, this thing can fry a Buffalo in 40 seconds. No, now. <laughs> and Hey, dark Steve, another one of our amazing patrons, man, our patrons love us so much. And we love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Well, as, um, you know, as uh, well, shit. You know, that's that's pretty much all I had. If nobody's got anything else, I guess we can we can dive into our selected films tonight. Oh, I so right before we get, I did read an interesting thing. So oh yeah, with with uh, Army of the Dead that's coming out, the Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. They actually had to they wanted to replace an actor after already shooting. Oh and really? So yeah, so they ended up. It was like Del Alpha, something like that. He ended up having some allegations, and so they wanted to drop him from the movie. And this is one of the first times they've ever recast in post-production without going back and basically like reshooting scenes. So no they shit. ended up shooting, they ended up shooting stuff with this one actor, and Zack Snyder went through the entire process of what it's like to replace an actor in post-production. So you have the one actor who was basically in front of a green screen, and then they had to go into visual effects and line it up over the existing actor on all the shots. Oh, that's fucking insane. And and the fact is, and then he ended up didn't share any scenes. He shared half a day with one actor and didn't meet any of the other actors. So he didn't meet a like Dave Batista or anything like that. And it had a guy in a green suit. That interacted with it. Oh, that's crazy! And they told them it's like you cannot ablib anything because the movie was cut completely. Yeah. And then you're going back in, so you're just—they're like you can't ablib, you can't do this. We already got other people working on stuff. You have to nail all. And they basically ADR. ADR is like audio. They ADR a person, not just audio, an entire person in that movie. That's insane. And you and you got to do that. Okay, so in some areas that might not be too difficult with we you know, with the with the uh, the capability of digital effects artists nowadays. But in some areas, as far as the editing goes, that's man, that is a pain in the ass. That that I, I'm imagining that would be harder than when uh, Kevin Spacey was replaced in All the Money in the World, because Kevin Spacey was taking that that was in the can. 
and then um, after you know the allegations that came out about him, um, he was removed completely, and they recast it with uh, Christopher Plummer, and Christopher Plummer uh, basically. But the, the film was done, the film was done and ready to go, but then all of a sudden, you know, the the, the bombshells dropped, and then it's like, okay, so we'll take him out, we'll edit him out completely out of the film, and reshoot every single scene with Christopher Plummer. Including, you know, the, but then, you know, edit the interaction so that they all match up. And I can't even imagine having to go back and do that because it was, it was, I think they were like two weeks from distribution. And then all of a sudden they had to go back and do this. And you, you know, that just speaks to the legendary talent of Christopher Plummer. You know, um, we, you know, we miss him so much. Uh, but, uh, wow. That, I mean, to try and replace an entire physical, you know, the physical performance interacting with the people, because this is an action movie. Yeah, this is an action movie, and the thing is, so they had to mimic camera movements. They had to. They said the hardest things were shots where you had the entire group walking, oh, because fuck. he was on a green screen and he had to walk at the same speed as everybody else, and the camera had to move at the exact same speed as they had on set, and oh, trying to sync that up perfectly so it looks like that he was there. It, uh, just, just impressive. I don't even want to know what the digital. Okay, because you could do that. So you got everything shot over here that was shot live. Then you got all this stuff shot in the green screen over here. Then it comes down to the digital effects artist to be able to take that stuff and mesh it perfectly. Oh, I don't even want... Oh. Yeah, that's... I, I, somebody got paid a lot of money to do that. Lots. I'll tell you that. Yes. A lot. Someone got, someone, got a, someone got gold in time for that motherfucker. I can tell oh, you yeah. that right now. <laughs> <laughs> The guild's not going to be happy about this. I will pay. We're going to pay you a truckload of money. The guild doesn't have to know anything about this. <laughs> the guild is happy now. <laughs> the guild is pleased, and so is my agent. <laughs> well, okay. JL, well, what do we have up first? Sorry, couldn't help it. <laughs> well, I was going to mention because he brought up because um, he brought up Army of the Dead. It, it, that is really, this is so cool. It's kind of a a strange confluence of events. The stars have aligned, as as Lovecraft liked to say. My last day with my job is uh, May twenty first, so I literally have nine days before I'm before I'm out before and yeah, and I'm leaving nine days. <laughs> Wait, this two anyway, but two, two extra, two extra, just because. She's a sweetheart like that. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm going to end up, so I'm going to be leaving in nine days. And it happens to be on the 21st. And the 21st is the day that Army of the Dead debuts on Netflix. So I know a bunch of people, it's going to be a Friday. A lot of people are going to be jumping on it. You know, they want to watch this stuff. But I will, we will be. You told <laughs> You told the agent, you fool. <laughs> they, I'm telling you right now, they have ways of finding out. They really do. If their people are working, they know. It's fucking freaky. Yeah. I once took, I mean, I had an agent one time, and I've, I've had a few agents, but one of the agents that I had, I wasn't with very long because she wasn't doing much work for me. And I was kind of like, well, I'm going to go out and I'm still going to go and try to find work myself. So, because I, I mean, I don't have to wait for her to send me on things because she wasn't sending me on anything. It's like, fuck this. I want to work. So I started auditioning for things that she wasn't sending me on. I was auditioning for plays, auditioning for, you know, commercials and, you know, various other shit. And I happened to land a, uh, um, what was it? A gig doing mock trials for or mock legal stuff for a law firm. They'll hire actors and they'll run scripts so that their uh, first years 
can you know figure out you'll know, be comfortable in the courtroom and they you know there's scripts and everything and we play characters and there's a little bit of ad lib in there but we have the gist but it's basically like a court case but they hire actors to play all the people involved and then the lawyers try that shit in front of a, leg- a legitimate judge and i took that job because i was like fuck yeah i'm taking this job i'm gonna go over here and be an actor yeah. and you know i was the bad guy which is great because i get to be up on the stand and be an asshole and it was fantastic i got and i got paid a, a, a little a decent amount of money and you know uh agents typically get 10 percent well she didn't find it for me. I did all the work. I went out. I responded to it. I'm the one that did it. And then I got paid. And I was like, sweet. So they paid me cashier's check. And I took the cashier's check to the bank. She found out about it. And then she fucking dropped me. Because I didn't pay her. <laughs> and I was like, but you didn't represent me for shit. Yeah, I was like, you didn't do anything. <laughs> so I was like, fuck it. You know, it was, a, it was a shame. The only reason I signed with her was because I was trying to help her. Her agency get some credibility, and because you know she wasn't, it wasn't taking off. And I was, I, w- I was classmates with her at film school, so I was like, you know, okay, sure, I'll sign with you, whatever. But nonetheless, that's that's old news there. But going back to the original subject, I digressed horribly. Army of the Dead will be releasing on the on the twenty first, and we will be streaming that in our Discord, the Weekend Horror Discord. I will be streaming that for everybody who wants to come and watch it together as the horror community, and we will watch. And it will be the first time I'm watching. I'm not going to watch it ahead of time. I want this to be the first time I see it. So where I'm going to come home from work, jump on here, and boom, we're going to stream uh, Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead in the Weekend Horror Discord. I will, you know, take it direct. I will send it directly from Netflix, and we'll all watch it together. It'll be fucking awesome. That'll be that'll be so much fun. So much, so much fun. It's going to be great. Yeah, Man Devil says Army of the Dead looks like wonderful garbage. <laughs> you never know. It's, it could be amazing because Snyder does zombies really good. Uh, Primer says, sounds like she did you a favor by dropping you. She did do me a favor by dropping me because she's kind of worthless. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is my opinion on that. Uh, Man Devil says, who do you think people, why do you think people become agents so they can get 10% off their talent? And if their yeah. talent gets a gets a big paycheck, they get ten percent of that paycheck. That's why they do it. And then you have Prime where Robocop was filmed in Dallas, which it was, mm-hmm. and he needed to put in some references. Sadly, the factory that was used uh, was torn down to put up the American Airlines Stadium where the stars play. So the factory no longer exists. The area is completely different now. Because uh, honestly, that factory would be a perfect location for what I'm looking for. I would love to shoot in that factory. It was all ro- it was old and abandoned even at that time that when they cool. filmed it. Yeah. But yeah, this American Airlines Center and the Mavericks and Stars play there, and there's a giant high-rise there, too. Awesome. Ooh, let's see. Charlie Welch popped in. I don't know if he's still here, but Charlie Welch, excellent to see you. With uh, only a man on the internet you never make a bet with. But uh, he came in to say hi. He's going to have to watch the, show, uh, watch the show later, and he will be joining us on the 21st to watch Army of the Dead. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Yes, Mandel said he meant that in the best way. I love wonderful garbage. Yes, wonderful garbage makes the world go round. Love wonderful garbage. Love it. Fuck yes. We're we're remaking that. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. That was going to be be a bad joke. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) All right. But yes, Johnny did give me the cue. Um, Yes. What do we got? JL, what do we have up first? <laughs> you know, he's like he's like one of those NPCs you meet in the town and you just click on him and he says the same shit over and over again. JL, what do we have up first? <laughs> <laughs> fucking dying. Oh, fucking hell. All right. Yes, let's JL, jump. 
<laughs> Nobody clicked on you this time. <laughs> it was one of those accidental clicks. Oh man, Devil says LOL. I got the Welch joke. Ah, he's finally, he finally got it. There you go. I make that I make that one like every time I see Charlie. I gotta come up with something different. Um but anyway, yes, jumping into our first movie. So, released. If I pull up my script, it'll be helpful. Released May 16th, 1976. We have the movie Grizzly. And no, it's not that kind of grizzly. So, directed by William Girdler and David Sheldon, and written by Harvey Flaxman and David Sheldon, starring Christopher George, Andrew Prine, and Richard Jekyll. Ooh, it's an, uh, this is a nature horror, and in essence, a um, bunch of campers are out in the woods and are terrorized by a bloodthirsty, human-eating, 18-foot-tall grizzly bear. That's pretty much it. It is in Those essence. It is. Yeah, that, that's it. It is in essence. Jaws in the woods. <laughs> that is pretty much what this is. But it is a giant bear, and it runs around killing fucking everyone. And no, it doesn't fuck them. It just kills them. There was no comma in there. It was just killing fucking everyone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yes. Um, 19, 1976, yes, Prime Red is correct. This is uh, one of one of the the big Jaws ripoffs. And, hey, Dr. Stinky Butt the Butler is in the house. Good to see you. Good to smell you. And, um, but yes, this was, you know, because you know, uh, you know, the 1970s, you know, after Jaws came out, there was a plethora of, you know, nature horrors. You know, man-eating. Yeah, have a plethora? A plethora. Yeah, yeah. Everybody but, wanted to cash in on yes. the catch on the What uh, is a plethora? <laughs> everyone wanted to ca- uh, cash in on the uh the mo- I guess the man-eating animals um or the nature horror as it were. And this definitely was a uh a fur-coated uh, a fur-coated jaws. I I mean, for the for the point where it follows like beat per beat because it starts off What's one of the most iconic things in Jaws is the intro where you have the woman swimming and you never, ever see the shark. And so she's just swimming and some kind of jerks her and then she's like thrashed around and she's pulled under and it's like, boom, it's like, what is that? Oh, my God, that's terrifying. You should just out for a swim. It's an iconic intro. Grizzly tried the same thing. (laughs) It certainly did. But they had two women this time. Instead of one. So you think like twice the terror. No. <laughs> Wait, did you say it's twice the terror because there are two women? Yeah. You're you're a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I mean, and that was that was, yeah. I didn't mind I didn't mind the concept of I mean I like the concept of you know a like giant bear. Who People doesn't go, like the concept of two chicks at the same time. Absolutely. A dude like me. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll stop. (laughs) But I I really died. I dig the concept of like, you know, like man versus nature and nature kind of rising up and taking on, you know, we all like just, you know, ripping, ripping the shit out of humankind. But um, I wish it had been a bit more original. I wish it had because there was another movie that came out uh, around, I think it was uh, maybe a year later. Um, I can't remember the year exactly, but it called Prophecy. Because that was also one, but that was a mutated, it was a giant mutated bear, you know, mutated by uh, toxic waste. 
And so that was kind of interesting. The bear was really, really gross and disgusting. It had, you know, but one of my favorite moments when the smashes the kid with the uh, in the sleeping bag and the kid explodes is fucking hilarious. But at least with that one, it was a little bit different. It wasn't just, you know, it, it was man screwing up nature. And gave us, you know, the, we we fucked up nature, and then we got, you know, nature lashed back with this mute, this giant mutant bear, like, blah, and he had no hair and shit. It was gross. But in this one, it's pretty much just people out. People go out in the woods. There's campers. There's a giant bear. It's killing everyone. They warn the guy who's in charge of the park. They don't want to close the park, and so the bear kills everybody, and then they kill the bear. And it's in essence, it was almost beat for beat. Jaws. I wish it had been a little bit more original, but I will say some of the kills were kind of cool. Um, I think the bear was a little more, I guess, human thinking than I think a bear actually is. But well, that bear strategized. Th- there was some ser- <laughs> there was some serious tactics going on in the woods that day. Um, you but go it, left, I'll go right. <laughs> that motherfucker going right down the middle. And you know, because you, know, you see those, you know, you see those real nature videos of sharks. You know, people will be in the water, and, and you know, the shark will they'll see no sharks. It would be you know just water, and then all of a sudden the shark is there. You know, because sharks just, you know, they're, you know, the way they're colored, the way evolution is, is, uh, has selected for them, they can show up out of nowhere. They can sneak up on you. And, of course, you can't hear shit. So the shark is just on you either from up, uh, up below you or nearby. And the fucked up thing is was they did the same thing with the bear. Like the 18-foot-tall, yeah. 18, 18 2,000-pound animal just, like, was fucking ninja. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting it to fly out of a tree, like just start coming at <laughs> Drop bear. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, uh, what's his name from uh, what the hell? Kung Fu Panda. It, it, yes, it, yeah. yeah. But this fucker was getting the drop on people and mauling them to shit. Um, I can imagine you know, in the '70s, definitely. You know, this was a scary movie then because people were kind of like, "Oh, I'm scared of the water." You know, run away. Oh, I'm scared of the woods now, and. You know, and but it had its moments. It wasn't the greatest, but um, I just wish I wish it had been a bit more original because you can almost put Jaws right next to the thing and play the two together, and the same formula, the exact same formula. They just changed it from the ocean to the woods and from a shark to a bear, which is a shame. I think it was a it was a good idea, but I think they could have executed it much much better. Not to mention some of the some of the scenes with the bear were kind of. Mm. Well, the thing you can say, missed the point. What makes Jaws so good? What makes Jaws good is the characterization mm-hmm. on it. You care about every single person. Every everybody has depth. Even the captain of the orca, like Especially him, the captain of the orca. Yeah, him. His whole story about the USS Indianapolis. It, I love watching that. Him, t- him telling that story over and over again. And that that was what made Jaws so good. It wasn't the shark. Oh, no, because the, you only see the shark. <laughs> you see the shark for like eight minutes in that entire film. Yeah, the yeah, the, the camaraderie between Dreyfus, um, Roy Scheider, and uh, Robert Shaw was absolutely amazing. His portrayal of Quint was, you know, bar none. And I think it was because he legit was. I think he was legitimately drunk during that whole production, wasn't he? Like I think, I think he was drunk for that scene when he was telling the story. I think he was fucked up uh, in that scene. I don't <laughs> think. I don't think. Uh, I don't think he. Uh, was sober a day in his life. <laughs> I, 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 I have to agree, but I think he was. They were really drinking, and so he did that whole scene. And he was like three sheets to the wind. He was he was standard Robert Shaw. He was Robert Shaw operating level, and but yeah, it was the camaraderie between the three of them. You have the the excited marine biologist, the grizzled you know sailor, and then of course 
the the uh, the skeptical sheriff or the oh, I guess the realistic sheriff who's just trying to you know keep everybody alive. And the three you know, of them. Speaking of, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But mm. speaking of Jaws and the whole, you know that Richard Dreyfus later confirmed that it was um, his character in uh, the remake of Piranha 3D. Oh, did, did he? Oh, really? He, yeah, he said he was supposed because. Um, oh God, <laughs> what's the character's name? Um, who do you play? Dreyfus played who? Who do you play? What was his character's name? Oh, he help me up. I, I know. I'm just fucking draw a blank. Anyway, he said that was him uh, fishing at the beginning of uh, of uh, Piranha 3D. So because originally in the source material that that character was supposed to be eaten by the shark, so Driver said to pay homage to the source material, he had himself off in this film. Oh, that's that's oh, nice. Okay. That's cute. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. We have dang. We got the the chat is blowing up. Well, Dick Dawson saying hi. Dick Dawson, it's a pleasure to see you. It's always good to see you on the show. Uh, they're talking a bit about, oh yes, and life is quite good. We have we have big things coming our way, so definitely pay uh, stay tuned to the show because we are going to announce huge things here in a couple episodes. But yeah, that was a, that was a shame, and of course this was one in a really really long line of just you know kind of like Jaws riffs, just trying to capitalize on you know big scary nature and try to get a few bucks out of it. Some of these films got sequels. As Jaws got sequels, these films got sequels. There was, you know, a Grizzly 2 and so on and so forth. And, you know, someone, I saw someone in the chat mention the movie... Oh, pardon me. So, uh, someone in the chat mentioned the movie Frogs, which was an eco-horror where pretty much everything in the swamp rebels against the rich people who are abusing the land. And then Sam Elliott is in there too, you know, you know, to do his Sam Elliott. And if you ever want to see a very young Sam Elliott with no shirt on beat the shit out of a crocodile with an oar, you definitely need to go watch that fucking movie. <laughs> Already sold right there. Yeah, I'm sold right there. Shirtless Sam Elliott. Oh, and I don't think he had a mustache either. I think he was shirtless, mustacheless Sam Elliott kicking the shit out of a, of an, I think it was an alligator with a, with a boat oar. And I was like, yes. That doesn't, that's not really Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott didn't exist until he was 50 with the mustache. Until he had the mustache. Well, what was until it was beef, it's what's for dinner. <laughs> or or um, what was it? Because he, he was the beef guy for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And then he was also more saving, more doing. That's the power of the Home Depot. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, yeah, I mean, this was a, a treasure trove of just, you know, of studios trying to capitalize on what jaw, the precedent that Jaws set. And some of them good, some of them land, some of them really fucking weird, some of them were just, you know, abject, just failures. But it must be said that the concept of man versus nature, the concept of human beings, and the conflict between human beings and nature is always made for excellent horror. When human beings trespass into areas that they're not prepared for, when they are ill-prepared for what the world has to offer them, and they, you know, they think that you just by virtue of being human that we're all of a sudden we're in control. This always makes for fantastic horror because we've gotten some great ones like Into the Grizzly Maze was a fantastic one. Um, and then there was one with a, 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 a good friend, uh, Glenn Morshower. Glenn Morshower did a horror film where he played a park ranger who brought uh, – basically he ran like a little camp for, you know, wayward kids, you know, kind of like, a, you know, to go take them out in the woods and teach them, you know, teach them to, to straighten up and, and, you know, live right. And the ones that choose to continue to misbehave, he feeds them to a local bear. It's fucking hilarious. It's so great. Wow. Yes, it is amazing. But, um, but yeah, I love it as a, it's very, very topical, especially today, 
I think it's a it's I think we may actually see a resurgence in this stuff because today it's a national conversation. It's an international conversation about our interactions with nature. And as that becomes more, as we've always said, horror always reflects what's going on in society. We may begin to see more of this. I think Shyamalan, M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan Ding Dong, tried Ooh. to do tried to do it with the happening. Um, that didn't work. That was and, terrible. And that God, didn't that work. But the concept of something like that, I think, was ahead of its time because it wasn't as huge a discussion as it is now. So I think really? we may actually see more. I think I think it was just you know it was it, it was a good idea, but it was just it was executed poorly, and it was you know Shyamalan ding dong. Shyamalan. So the idea was, was good, yes, but the uh, the idea is good. I don't think it was ahead of its time. I think it was just poor, poorly put together, just poorly executed. You know, yeah, Mark Wahlberg was... pleading with a plastic plant to stop killing him. Get the fuck out of here! That's just <laughs> yeah, stupid. Well, I'm you know, talking says, to a plastic plant. Yeah, who says hey, uh, you know, let's have Mark? No, we don't do that. What? No. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, it's always been it's always been an interesting concept because we're one of the very few species that we don't basically we don't kind of cohabitate with our environment. We destroy our environment, mm-hmm. and that's that's how we've been able to get ahead of other species. We don't run the fastest. We're not the strongest. We don't jump the highest by any means nope. anywhere on this planet. We're the most it. conniving. That's the reason why we got ahead. Yes, the yeah, most conniving. We, we are the most conniving, and we're able to communicate better than a lot of animals. Other animals can communicate with each other, so we can strategize and plan and hunt mm-hmm. as a pack. On oh, it. and these little things on our hands, thumbs, thumbs. so so helpful, so helpful in world domination. Yeah, but it, it's also we like consider ourselves that oh, we've mastered nature, we're in charge, and all this kind of stuff. But nature can come back. Yes. And it's always an interesting thing because you can take people outside of the city, put them back in nature, and you realize you're not the top dog anymore. And you know, you see that. And someone did mention, like we talked about the ruins a few weeks ago, and a movie that I absolutely love, and that is you know a similar situation. The concept, and that's what the author, the guy who actually wrote the book and wrote this and they adapted the screenplay, was talking about. He wanted to reflect that. He wanted to say, you know, that. As a result of, of of what humans have done to the world, that there could be these things that crop up in in nature as adaptations to us, we become the evolutionary pre- pressure that triggers change, or you know allows for the selection of change in, in nature to more readily defend against what we do, and that's what the vines were. The vines were an adaptation to human beings. So, and I think other movies that that uh, like you know like Rogue. Um, the the uh, the ghost in the darkness, which is based on a true story, but the concepts, uh, these concepts of man encroaching upon nature, and you know, and then paying the ultimate price for it, I've always dug them because they there is a, a I would say a kernel of truth to all of this, and there's something to be said. You go out into the world, you kind of take your life with you. If you don't know what you're doing, you're not prepared, then you will find yourself, you know, like many movies, being eaten by a grizzly bear or eaten by a crocodile or eaten by a shark or something of that nature. Maybe we should take Kent Hovind in because he's not prepared for that. That's <laughs> <laughs> topic of humor. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. No, I won't. But I, I, I anticipate. I anticipate more uh, nature uh, nature style horrors coming along as more indie directors as more indie directors you know take on projects like that. And it's a kind of it's not really a super tapped genre. There are still things out there that are like that, but nobody really hits it really hard. We're just I, mean, I have no doubt on the blacklist. 
um, that there are probably some scripts out there that are really, really strong that reflect this. And once we start really diving into it, I think it's going to be a big thing. Um, Tremors. Tremors is a good one. Yeah, Tremors is an excellent film. Mm-hmm. Are they, are they, they have another one in, in the works. Now. They had the one with uh, Napoleon Dynamite, which wasn't terrible. Oh, Bill Hader? Yeah. yeah. I like calling him Napoleon Dynamite because <laughs> it pisses him off. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Napoleon. Just the fuck up. Just <laughs> like some weird Mormon guy. What's that? Mandel says, I could never get through the movie Roar, even though I know nobody was killed during filming. My anxiety just skyrockets. It's pretty intense. It can be. I mean, one of the, I mean, I would say one of the biggest fears of human beings uh, is being eaten, being eaten or being burned alive. But being eaten alive by something, that's pretty yeah. damn horrible. Yeah. That, so I don't know if how many people have actually done like survival training. I, I know you have, JL. Mm-hmm. Right? You used to be, a, you were a Boy Scout for the longest time. I was an, yeah, yeah. I was an Eagle Scout and Eagle Scout, uh, right, survival right. trained, survival trained up in the New Mexico mountains. Uh, low impact, or say, uh, low impact, no trace. Right. So talking, if you ever did anything where they took you to a place where there were going to be bears, they would, you know, make sure that you knew how to identify what type of bear was chasing you or what type of bear you could run into and how to deal with those bears. The fucked up thing about grizzly bears is most of the time you can, they're going to nip at you a little bit, but as long, as long as they see that you're not a threat, they don't want anything to do with you because you don't taste good to them. They don't like the, they, they don't like human flesh. Uh, but yep. they will take a couple of bites out of you. Yeah, we actually we had an incident because I was in Boy Scouts too, and I was over at Philmont uh, doing some training, and it was like around midnight, something like that. One of the staff members was going out for a walk, saw a bear because there's a lot of bears over in Philmont. Mm-hmm. He so he saw a bear, and so he ran into one of the canvas tents, and so the bear just blindly stuck his mouth in and like bite. Didn't go all the way in a tent, but just kind of stuck his mouth in bot and bite. Well, he bit the foot of another staff member who was asleep at the time in the sleeping bag. So the staff <laughs> member wakes up. There's a bear on his foot. Ow! And so the bear got spooked, and so the you know, everybody screamed, and the bear just ran off. But yeah. and he ended up getting he went to the hospital and everything. He was okay and everything. But yeah, I have to wake up everybody. Uh, they're like getting everybody or running the cabins and they're like, there's a bear loose and people running around and stuff. And I mean, the bear never came back or anything yeah. on it. Just it lost interest. I think the bear is more just curious than anything else. Generally speaking. Yeah. When a bear, uh, when a grizzly bear or a brown bear uh, approaches you, they're generally don't, they're there for the, the easy food, the easy score food, kind of scavenging mm-hmm. and whatnot. They don't want anything to do with you. Black bear, on the other hand, those fuckers can be vicious. They will chase you. They will. They will do more than just bite you to nibble you. They'll. They'll try and like cut you. Yeah. You see, and it's it's me. knowing that, knowing that because you know, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. We uh, some people said the um, most insulting, dangerous animals are hippos. They crush you to death with their mouth and then spit you out. Yes. And yep. hippos have been used to such effect in several horror films. Typically not as the antagonist, but typically on the way to the antagonist, people encounter hippos. Usually it's, you know, lions or or, uh, or crocodiles or some shit. How about uh, bears? Hush. <laughs> and no, yes, hip, hip. Prime Red said exactly that. Black bears are worse uh, yeah. than grizzlies. And they are. And that yeah. was one of the one of the scarier things is because they're, you know, because I've been out to Philmont too uh, a, few, a couple of times. And yeah, there are black bears out there. There's black bears and there's brown bears. Brown bears really don't give a shit about you, especially the big ones. They really don't care. They're they more they're yeah. more apt to just avoid your ass. You probably never even know. You probably never even see them. 
But black bears will come after you because they're hype. They're super aggressive, especially the females. And it was always scary because one, they're smaller than grizzly bears, but yeah. they are like they're, they're ferocious. And there was a horror movie, and uh, someone mentioned one. Um, let's see, uh, there was there was a movie called Grizzly with James Marsden and Billy Bob Thornton, and uh, that that one was, that one was decent. It was about you know a killer bear. But there was another one called Backcountry, and Backcountry had a it was a brown bear. There was a, it's about a couple that decides to go out into the woods for their anniversary, and they wind up getting lost because they're trying to go back to this to this place that the that the husband remembers as a child. They wanted to go back. He wanted to show her like this this great view in the woods, and they wind up getting lost because he doesn't bring a damn compass. And they get turned around, wind up in the back country, and they have no idea. Where they, and they get end up getting stalked by a bear. And it's a black bear. And I was like, the minute I saw it was a black bear, I was like, these two are fucked. Because if they get wind of something, or they get you know, they, or they get a hair across their ass, they will stalk you and 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 try until you until you either escape, until you're actually out of there, or they've killed you. And they'll either kill you and eat you, or they'll just straight kill your ass. And there was a, the husband does not survive that. And I was imagining like, yeah, that was it was that was really horrible because that was the most realistic bear, you know, you know, vicious bear movie I've ever seen. All the other ones have all been, you know, grizzly bears because they're so big and they're so scary. Or polar bears because they're also super big, you know. But uh, black bears, smaller, more dangerous, big time. Yeah. And Jinju says, I don't have to outrun the bear. Just whoever's with me. Yeah, exactly. And he says, besides, I can run faster on dry ground than a bear running through shit. You would be fucking surprised, dude. Those, those a bear can move. Those yeah, fuckers are fast when they when they when they need to be. They are fast, yeah. and they can it's climb a short spurt. It's a short <laughs> spurt, but there's a video of a guy who he was riding his bike on a trail and came across a brown bear. And so he's he's hauling, and that brown bear is chasing him, and he's on a bike, and that bear is going like step for step mm-hmm. with him for a while, and he eventually was able to survive, and uh, the bear lost interest. But yeah, I mean he's he's hauling and looking back, and that bear is like right behind him. I think it would have been hilarious if the bear just like smacked his tire. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there is a there's a pretty there's kind of a gruesome video out there. Um, that I saw one time, but just as as an idea as to how fast these suckers are, there was a video of a grizzly, not a black bear, but a grizzly that took on a moose. Completely doable. This was uh up in um up in Alaska on the Kodiak oh, yeah. Kodiak Isle, mm-hmm. and uh with one hit, the uh, the grizzly decapitated the moose. Just took that fucker's yeah. head off. And if you, if anyone, especially our our good friends from Canada, um, because we have some we have some fans that are in Canada uh, watching. The, moose are no joke. Moose are extremely dangerous. There and nobody fucks with them. They're huge. They're fast. I mean, there's there's you see videos of uh, of moose running through running through like you know chest deep water like it's like it's not even there. Moose are strong. They're fast. They're dangerous as shit. They're hard to kill and they're really aggressive. And then this bear just you know was like the bear caught the moose. And then, pow, one shot, dead. It was just fucking, it was absolutely insane. But that just goes to show bears really, really dangerous. But black bears, those are the scary ones. Yes. Um, PhD Tony, uh, Grizzly telling his friend, I swear it just pushed it a little bit. <laughs> 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 Let me see. Uh, I did see somebody. Commander Darklight is in the house. Good to see you. One Another one of our amazing patrons. So fantastic to have you. And Skydiver Tanner's in the house. Hey, did we decide whether we preferred the original or the sequel? Oh, of uh, Grizzly? Yeah. 
Well, we we hadn't we hadn't yet. Oh, sorry. I was saying I was saying hi to people in the chat. I'll put myself in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) One minute timeout. (laughs) If there's a if there's a gun, Johnny's gonna jump it. (laughs) 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 And PhD Tony says there was a case in California of a cougar that was taking bike riders, bike and all. This is true. Cougars will do it. She she just wanted to have her fun and then you know taking them back home. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they call older women. It's fucking crazy. But no? Um, really? <sighs> no, they just came they came back with claw marks, a few scratch marks. Johnny, not all of them land, dude. Just because you don't get them, that's fine. Some of them some of them just do a, a, a big guy in the pool. Probably <laughs> <laughs> <Really> flop. <laughs> So, but yes, we did mention, and uh, we've talked a bit about uh, bears and nature like that. I think there'll be a resurgence of, of these kinds of films. We haven't gotten a lot in the past, I would say, decade or so. Hopefully, we'll get some more. We'll get some really, really solid ones. We've got some shark ones, 47 Meters Down. Um, the Shallows were both really, really good. I really enjoyed The Shallows. I thought that one was fantastic. That's um, with uh, Blake Lively, right? Yeah. Yeah. They had some, yeah. The shark attacks in that were really fucking impressive. Because that's something I'm legitimately. I actually I'm I'm afraid of like water that I can't I can't see in or water I can't see the bottom of because I don't know what's in the water with me. Obviously, so that that's just scary to me. I will not go too far from the. Yeah, you know, I'll go in the water, but I won't go like where I can't touch the bottom and I'm swimming. I don't know. It's not that's not my territory. That's not where so, I'm meant to be. That's <laughs> their world now. I am yeah, a right? floating exactly. sausage. That is what I am. Did you guys watch the that series of films where it's they'll take like an expert of whatever and then do a whole bunch of films in that style, whatever that expert is? Like they took a bank robber expert and they looked at a bunch of different films that had bank robberies. And oh, you know I, I, I love watching those. Yeah. yeah. So there was one where they, this this uh, um, this expert, this nature expert, was talking about this shit too, and he brought out the shallows. He's like, "Yeah, no, this is bullshit. This wouldn't happen. Look, there's a dead whale carcass. A shark be eating that thing, not chasing after live prey." Like, don't just fuck. Yeah, don't don't. shit all over everything. You can let us enjoy it. This don't, is true. No, it won't be that way. This stupid. Can we pretend? No. X wings no. don't make noise in space. Like Go to your room. And you think about how stupid you are. Like, just gotta ruin it for everybody. Yeah. Hey, John Rapp is in the house. John Rapp is here. Says good day, guys. Please horrify me. I'm bored. We will do our best. But you, he, John Rapp lives in Australia, doesn't he? I wouldn't say he lives in Australia. Survives. Survives in Australia. Is John, is John, yeah. I can't remember if John Rapp is in Australia. Yeah. He's not saying goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Uh, this is true. <laughs> and Mandevil says, open water just annoyed me so much based on a true story for the first five minutes. Well, that's yeah. because we only know that they went in the water and we only know that they never came back. So what happened in the water is artistic license entirely. You know, but we do know they never found them. Yeah, they're out or there. Or did they? Well, the, sh- the sharks found them. That's for damn yeah. sure. <laughs> I don't know. Did you go shifting through shark shit? God, what a horrible way to go. Yeah. That would be terrible. Oh, yeah. that's why open water freaked me out. It's because, you know, you, it, that's ocean. They, you know, and then, you know, and this wasn't like, you know, great white sharks. These were, you know, stand, these were black tip reef sharks. And they're very numerous. And when they get going, they get going. And... 
that would just be oh that would be terrifying especially i'm in the ocean that's already a scary situation for me then it gets night and it's pitch fucking black and there's storms and you you don't know where the waves are taking you that's just uh and you just yeah you're and you're just there in the ocean they just to me being in the ocean is always scary enough already on a boat let alone like you're just floating there yeah that's how horror films get started. <laughs> but, however, uh, we did mention that, yes, Grizzly did have a sequel. And Grizzly 2, Revenge, not The Revenge, just Grizzly 2, Revenge, was all it was. Um, there's not much to be said about the, about the sequel. But uh, we would like to know, if you've gotten the opportunity to see both films, let us know which one you preferred. If you prefer the original one or the sequel one, because some people actually do prefer Grizzly 2 over the original one. They thought, they thought they went a little bit further with it, which was interesting. Um, if you have not and you get a chance to watch them later, then feel free. Hit us up in the comments below or shoot us an email, weekendhorror at gmail.com. We'd like to know what you think. If the original one was better, even though it was a Jaws ripoff, or the sequel was better, which actually expanded on the story a little bit more. We'd love to hear what you think. John Rapp says we really got into the the motivation of the of the bear. We really got some backstory on the bear. Turns out the bear was from a broken family that really there were a, a group of hunters that killed its mother, and then its father left because you know that's what bears do. So. I'm picturing a scene like in the Star Wars holiday special, or set of the Wookies <laughs> talking in Wookie for ten minutes. Uh-huh. It's like bears. So the bears are just oh, 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 oh. actually they turned it into an animated feature. It's called Brother Bear. <laughs> this is what I put up with. <laughs> week in, week out. Disney fired their animation department after that one. This is what I deal with. <laughs> uh, anyway, John Raps has been in Australia for 50 years, born Wisconsin Rapids, Black Bear Territory. Hell fucking yeah, it is. Yep. Ivy Gentry says it could have been mermaids. You don't know it was sharks. That's I'll hedge true. my I'll hedge my bets, but it's true. It's true. It could have been cannibalistic mermaids that ate them. Um no, and, no, 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 not ate them. Just took them down to, you know, under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Prime Red says Grizzly 2 sucked. Way too commercial. <laughs> the bear really sold out. Oh, yeah, the bear sold out. phoned yeah. it in. NANA is in the house. Another one of our illustrious Patreons. Uh, fun fact, you have a 0% chance of getting killed by a shark if you never go in the ocean. This is true. But somebody it's never seen, a zero percent chance that you won't hasn't, be killed by a cow. Somebody hasn't seen Sharknado. <laughs> this is true. That's when they come to you. Peter Tony says, if you are publicly willing to identify yourself as a loser, which of these two crappy films you did not have the discernment to hate? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tina Jones, you have a great night. She's sneaking off to bed, and I'm sure she'll catch the rest of us later. It was a pleasure having you. All right. Good night, Tina. And uh, I will pass this one, uh, this look back at Grizzly and the mother of all bears, the 18-foot-tall Grizzly, which is fucking impossible, but... Um, is it, I, though? Didn't they, find a, didn't they find a Grizzly in Anchorage that was stupid big, that was like 18 to 20 foot tall? I don't know that big. I mean, polar bears get bigger than Kodiaks, and polar bears get up to about 12. I'm pretty I, sure they found, like, some... Monsters, it's like a no, like just one. Well, I know yeah, that the, the Cody, I don't think it's not like a you know, you're every day, but I'm pretty sure they found like this monstrous bear, and I, th- I think it was in Anchorage. Uh, well, the Kodiak that played the, this bear 
in the live shots was a Kodiak bear named Teddy who was 11 feet tall. Well, yeah, but you're talking about what uh, Johnny's talking about is like just one because everyone, they they come in different sizes. They ever want want that one gigantic one. That's just kind of the exception to the rule. I'm kind of curious. Giant bear found in Alaska. I want to find out. I, yeah, I I could be wrong, but I thought I read a story once where this they had this bear and they have like they have him stuffed and he's part of. I, I think it's Alaska. But I can't remember. The biggest bear ever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, let's see I, again. This was a long time ago that I read this, but. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're going. We're going off. But yeah, but but speaking of, since it's a horror podcast, yes, but, <laughs> yes, Eugene, take us on to the next one. We so can talk about fucking ne- nature all day. I swear. Mm. Yeah. We next on weekend nature. Bears and gold well, fish. man, devil now mentions it now. Polar bear now it's being found in the wild, and I read about this actually. The polar bears are breeding with grizzly bears. Because their habitats are starting to push together because of uh, the, uh, the the sea ice is not returning like that's it should. Just not, that's just not okay. And that's they're called they're called growler bears, and it's the biggest bear and one and what and, and and an aggressive bear. So now and uh, growler bears are actually really, really interesting. They're like a kind of dull white, sh- uh, dull shaggy white. So they kind of look like an an almost like powdered sugar dusted grizzly bear. <laughs> it's 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 weird, and they get really fucking big. So, but the, they're finding them in the wild now because polar bears and grizzly bears are uh, are mingling. So yeah, they're learning. <laughs> oh, Next thing you know, it's going to be polar bears, <laughs> fucking machine guns. <laughs> no, no, no! All the machine guns went to the penguins to guard the oh. ice wall. <laughs> no, that's right. Sorry, I'll totally ride one of those in battle, though. <laughs> and Eugene, take us to the next one. We'll talk so about bears next, all day. Speaking of, because this one stars a grizzly man. Oh, definitely God. Bear. <laughs> <laughs> we have "See No Evil," which was released May nineteenth, two thousand and six. And it is directed by Gregory Dark. And it stars Kane. No last name. <laughs> just Kane, the grizzly man. <laughs> and Christina Vidal and Michael J. Pagan. And basically what it is, you have a couple of petty criminals that are going to clean an abandoned hotel for their community service. And Kane is pissed off that they're in his hotel and shit gets real. <laughs> Now I gotta I'm, make that I, shirt. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do. Why? Why is it? Why is it, uh, JL? Um, that uh, why is it that Eugene was able to pronounce those names so well? I'm assuming he practiced. You gave him an easy one. That's what happened. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. That was I, one of the easier ones. I At least that, th- those names are in English. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just wait till I give you the first Indian horror movie we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Bollywood horror. Those are the you, best. You want me to piss off an entire country? Why <laughs> <laughs> oh. do you not have fans in India? Well, because anyway. So yeah, this is uh, well, this is WWE's first foray in the horror films. Mm-hmm. 
And I think isn't this like the their only foray into horror films? No, they've done they've done some other ones as well. Uh, this was really? the first time this was the first time that they solo produced a horror film, and they also solo produced *See No Evil* too, the uh, the return of Jacob Goodnight from this film. But there were other horror horror films that they were involved with. Um, we showed one I mean, on, outside was, of the WWE, right? Uh, well, well, meaning do what? Well, what? I thought you said something. The speaker says what? Oh my god, we get. All this editing. <laughs> Angela's going to fucking kill me. No, she's going to kill me. <laughs> so, but here. yeah, but they also did, uh, we showed one in Discord channel, No One Lives. Uh, WWE, WWE produced that one. But it was, you know, this was the, Ceno Evil was the first one that they solo did themselves. It was the first solo produced WWE f- a film, and it happened to be a horror film because they're the easiest to make. And it starred, you know, one of their big motherfuckers, Kane, aka, or, or Glenn Jacobs, aka Kane. Um, you know, or I guess you know the counterpart to the to the Undertaker, but uh, but yes, um, wow, this was a bad fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, hey, like I, I get the fact that WWE has money, and if you have enough money, you can make anything. You know, but, if you're just gonna throw away money, I just throw some my way. Yeah, you, you might as well just give it to people. You know. You see, that's what's wild. Okay, that that's what I don't get. Now, okay, so see no evil is, huh? What? Hmm. Quote: We can horror twenty twenty one. Thank you, Man Devil, for that quote. Huh? What? Hmm? <laughs> oh, damn it! The grizzly posters are still up. Son of a bitch. Poster. There I we go. Oh, I I always I get I get involved and I forget to change the they'll I forget to change the posters over. It's my fucking it's not bad. as easy as you think it is. I is know. It? I'm still getting used to it. I, I've I just now I think I got the intro down where we you know, we're all muted and we played the animatic and so. But nonetheless, yeah. I'll, yes, Man Devil's correct. I will fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> the, the audio we'll, version. Of we'll the podcast record for two hours and then the the release episode will be an hour and fifteen minutes. So. 45 minutes. 45 minutes total. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's the thing that gets me. Vince McMahon, you know, Vince McMahon is a billionaire. WWE, or what, you know, formerly WWF, is, yeah, I mean, it's a billion dollar enterprise. I mean, it, may, it, it makes ridiculous money. So they've got the money to make a movie. Okay, making him making us uh, your stereotypical slasher is is literally pennies in the bucket compared to the money that they have to play with. So right. they could just, you know, whatever's in his bank account, they could they could probably shoot an entire feature film on. And they, they cast their own people. So they got Kane in there, and then they'd surround him with a bunch of people that we don't know. Just a bunch of, you know, first-timers that Kane's going to kill. The sequel had a bunch of horror names, and it had Catherine Isabel, had um, Daniel Lewis, and a number of other people, and Kane again. But this should have been simple. All you needed was a solid script with, you know, at least some characterization and a reason to care about these people who are getting smoked and a reason to either sympathize with or understand the bad guy. Even if your bad guy never fucking talks and whatever. Instead, they don't do that and they simply focus on Kane ripping people apart because he's so fucking big. And I think Glenn Jacobs is like 6'11? I think is how tall he is. Um, uh, I think he's like 6'11, three, like 350 pounds. He is. Seven foot tall. Seven feet tall. So I was off by an inch. And probably, you know, 350 to 400 or whatever. But the big motherfucker, I mean, it should have been scary. Uh, And I think with WWE's money, they could have put this in. I don't know why. I mean, I know why it was a failure. The script fucking sucked and the acting was lame. And the only thing this movie had going for it is the... the Well, but was it a failure? 
is that on a budget of eight million bucks, it made uh, eighteen, so ten million bucks, ten million return. I mean, it more than doubled its budget. Is why they put out a sequel. I mean, it's a shitty film. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it, it, I, I could say. It, I mean, it made it, it made money, and so fine. I will say it was successful in terms of box office. They made money off of it. But there are so many fucking missteps in the fucking Mortal Kombat style camera does a CG gore <laughs> yeah. fucking shit. That's a video game move. And like I'm not I don't expect stellar acting in a lot of horror films, especially slasher, because he cast most of the time he casts no names. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, if you can get adequate acting, that's just fine. Just it's passable. Whatever. Yeah, as long as you sound like you're reading out of a cereal box, we're good. That, that's. I mean, there are moments in this film where it looks like someone's holding cue cards off camera. <laughs> they probably it. No, please don't stab me. No. Or they've no, got, or they've no. got, or they got earpieces in there being fed their fucking lines because all they are is is you know a, an attractive looking individual who was it's basically like killing models. They don't know. They don't act. They're models. Yeah, okay. well, don't you think that's part of the reason why this genre doesn't get the respect it deserves because of shit like this? Well, you see, that, films like this muddy the waters when it comes to because you can have an excellent horror film, right? You can have a Jaws, or you can have, um, oh, what's another? I would say Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street three, like the Dream Warriors. Sure, but the the whole idea that when you take a look at the horror genre as a whole. There's a lot of shit in there. Yes, there now, is. Now, granted, there's a lot of shit in drama. There's a lot of shit in comedy. There's a lot of shit in action. But it seems like the the good stuff, like the good drama stuff, they have stellar casts and really excellent performances. Where the good stuff in the horror genre, every now and again, you'll get one that's got a really good cast and really good performances. But for the most part, you know, specifically when you're talking about, especially like '80s and '80s inspired stuff, it's all they're all just fodder. Like nobody gives a shit that these people can act. Like you're here to do one thing, get your head cut off or get stabbed with a fucking spear from 80 yards away or some weird, crazy bullshit. We don't give a fuck if you can act. But it's it's just it's nice to see films where it's like at least it's passable. Right. Yes. On it. That I can I'm not expecting a lot of character development from most of the people. You're right. Like a lot of that stuff. That's the whole trope of slashers on well, it. Well, I mean, but, it, I don't want to see a bunch of fucking cardboard cutouts run around and try to and try to stab each other. Like I don't get I I could I couldn't give a shit about any any characters in this film. You know, it's like idiots walk into, you know, ha- supposedly haunted place, you know, maniac that's been living there, you know, kills them all in gruesomely violent ways. And I will admit, you know, so, so some of the kills were kind of creative, but that's all you've got going for it. It was someone like Kane. That's someone okay, you look at the physicality. Look I mean, look at what they did with Kane Hodder. Okay. Kane Hodder is a unique specimen. The dude is big, he's got huge fucking arms, and he knows how to work his body. The guy is a, is an emotive genius. And he that's why he made Jason so iconic. Like, 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 like legit brought him into pop culture, made him a terrifying force. I think because he brought that kind of connective tissue between the audience and the Frankenstein that was Jason, and he, and he made him, he gave him that humanity, which made him scarier. And I, that's why I really love, love Kane Hodder about that. With someone like Kane, a professional wrestler. Okay, seven feet tall, almost four hundred pounds. That is a that is a boatload of of just of not only physicality but ability that you don't want to go to waste. And to have him stomp around the set like he's fucking Frankenstein, 
you know, oh, you know, like this. Where he has these moments like that, but come on, you know, really, really sell that shit. You know, go the distance. Use what you've got. That's what that. And someone was mentioning, like, oh, who is it? Um, someone said it. I just saw it. Ivy Gantry said it should have been scary. I mean, D. Snyder made Captain How Captain Howdy scary for Strangeland. That fucker was scary as shit. Okay, and that wasn't even really a slasher film. Mm-hmm. So well, that and but D. Snyder was scary as fuck because that is characterization. Well, it just goes to show that size doesn't necessarily equal fear. Yeah. On that, that I don't know. That big fucker's running down the hall at me with a hook hand. I'm not really uh Love and life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just take. Diff- you just you know, corner. Like here's just the corner. He get, doesn't corner well. <laughs> <laughs> right. you, get, you, get, you know, you get a little Chucky doll running at me with a fucking knife. I'm like, what the fuck? I'll just punch this little bitch. <laughs> That's what I they, get, they. I can tr- kick fucking Kane as hard as I can a hundred times over, and that motherfucker is still gonna laugh at me while he's taking my guts out with his pecan. <laughs> I well, scary from watching films perspective. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, from, okay. from the watching. Where it's Didn't they like, try to make him like some sort of, he was like, he was supposed to be uh, some sort of like silent killer for at least a little bit. Like, ooh, what's that? They, the they, fuck they, you're not going to notice a seven foot tall <laughs> pound asshole. Yeah. I'm going to try to sneak up on them. And people yeah. are like, like the silent 400 pound man is like, no, I don't think yeah. so. Get the fuck out of here. It's like, I mean, you, you, I mean, you watch him walk down the ramp in any WWE episode he was in. And it's like the damn thing is shaking itself. He's so friggin' big and heavy. But I mean, I can see what they were trying to do. But I mean, how do you miss that mark? Okay. Sure, I understand you couldn't get a solid script or you didn't care about the script. You just wanted a script. So a script with an A, B, with 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 an act one, act two, act three, with a potential for a sequel. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Just formulaic horror filmmaking. You could get a script anywhere. You know, horror scripts all over the place. You can get a script and you can change it up a little bit in order to tell the story that you want to tell. But then you turn around and you've got Kane, who arguably, as Johnny said, this is this could if you were in this situation, you would be scared. I would I'd be scared to fucking death. I can't handle a seven foot tall, four hundred pound dude with giant fucking meat hooks and shit, who's like coming out of the walls. I can't, I can't handle that. I would be fucking scared. Yet watching the film, I'm not in those shoes. Not scared. I'm, I'm not. So why? Mm-hmm. But I can still watch Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, and I can still get the chills. Like, oh fuck, that would, you know, damn, that's scary. There's still moments that get me in in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street in some of those films. There's moments it's like, ah, fuck that, yeah, that, that really hits me. It never hit me with Cena Weevil. How do you have that capability? How do you not turn this seven foot tall, four hundred pound monstrosity who is just—I mean, I mean—killing people and just like wow, was in ways that should have been more wow, and you know, but just like holy fuck. Yeah, I think that's that's what it is, though, right? It's, I don't think it's about the scare in these modern slashers so much as it's is the creative ways you kill people. They're just you know riffing I mean? on, just riffing on that kind of like yeah, the Jason right. Freyo's like come up with yeah. new ways. How can we put? How can we you know push the envelope? What what can we do? You know what's the what's the most inventive way? Like it's kind of what happened with the whole Saul franchise. Started out yeah. really amazing with that first film, and then it just like well, uh, okay, so now we got to cut somebody in half with the Saul, and then we'll have, instead of having the one that blows up with the mouth out, we'll have the one that goes like this, and it's Iron Maiden, and the faces and things, and then we got to. It's like, come on, guys, work on the the craft of frightening people. The like, way you like Terrifier, people, 
Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's important. And so I was I was just re- looking to the director, uh, Gregory Dark, just mm-hmm. to see maybe some other stuff he's done or anything like that. He comes from a music video background and an adult entertainment background. Oh, that explains so much. He's a porno guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he doesn't. So he I'm like just on his Wikipedia page and I see two little more like two films that are non-pornographic. Out of like like 150. (laughs) Yeah. The the other one's called uh, Little Fish Strange Pond. That has Matthew Muldine in it. It sounds like a porn. (laughs) <laughs> Even with that, <laughs> that's fucking funny. Oh, that that explains a whole ton. Just you know, the cinematography, just the the uh, the the. the How can we get up in there and get that raw angle? It's yeah, okay, I get We're it. I get that now. You see, this is so much different. It's so different because at least you know they made when they made the money off of this one, it justified in the sequel. It was directed by the Soska sisters, and yeah, you know, they put it. I guess they put every single damn. Um, Daniel Harris was in it, Catherine Isabel, Michael Eklund, uh, just, you know, a whole bunch of just, and then, of course, the, the Soska sisters themselves were in it for a little bit, um, Kaj Eric Erickson, just a bunch of names that are synonymous with horror. So, I mean, I mean that's what you get when you, I guess, like you, Johnny said, it made money. So, yeah. it's, it, it had an okay ROI, and so I guess we can make a second one and try to make some more money off of it. Mm-hmm. And and so that's that's kind of what happened. At least with the second one, the Soska sisters, they actually appreciate horror. So that's why you're gonna get those horror icons, which this, I mean, if you if you're only gonna do two films, period, and you're a professional filmmaker, this is a guy who does not have interest in horror. He it was probably, hey, WWE wants to make a movie, we'll branch the movie, let's get some cheap director who uh who maybe might be a buddy of Vince McMahon or something like that? Yeah, yeah man, I saw. Was well, man, I saw this great video on Pornhub last night. Get the director of that one. All right, let's get that. Wait, what? The director of a Pornhub video? Yeah, well, I mean, because yeah. the director. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> oh, it's a thing. That's just that guy, guy with the camera the, that presses the red button on his iPhone. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you just. Uh, it's a shame because there could there could there was opportunity here. They've got the money to spend. And I'm not saying if you dump a truckload into a movie, you're going to make an amazing film. It's not gonna happen. A lot of things have to come together to make something really, really solid. But you don't have to spend a truckload of money to make a great film either. You know, as long as you're if you if you're selective in your casting, selective, you know, the script that you're gonna be working, you uh you know, plan shit out like i always say it's always about planning make sure your locations are solid your equipment is solid your sound is good everything is good and then screen test your fucking actors if you're going to do a movie put them together let them work together at least have some fucking charisma somewhere because this movie was devoid of it nothing to attach it like that i was it was just i'm watching idiots win the darwin awards yeah yeah so, well, let me ask the audience, should this be the, well, there, because there's a one sequel, should we, is this the end of See No Evil, or should they actually make another one? Yeah, no, no one should see it if they do. Fuck. 
We'll see. WWE still has billions of dollars. They may make a third yeah, one. They so could, yeah. Because of, not because of that movie. Now, it needs to go the way of, like, Smiley and Chrome Skull and other failed wannabes that wanted to show up and be, you know, the next big slasher and just, Miley. you know, and just, and, just, yeah, and just fade away. Yeah. Chrome Skull had a chance. It really did. I mean, I thought I, after the first one, I was like, this, this, this could be solid, but you know, they just couldn't pull it off with a sequel. They tried to, they just really tried to outdo themselves and they just jumped the fucking shark. And meanwhile, you've got like, you know, um, dark horses, like the collector who showed up, you know, it was like, not all of them can be that because the collector's getting a third film coming out, I think, this year. So looking yeah. forward to that. But yeah, I think um, it, I think it's done. It, it should be. I love how Man Devil talked about. Have you ever guys thought about to talk about J.M. Truth's zombie film? I have seen his zombie film. <laughs> <laughs> that was a rough forty minutes. Given that it's not, a, given that it was a, it was a student film, and it was just terrible. It was terrible, but it was a student. Was film. it a student film? Yeah, he. I think he. Or I think it was. He said it was. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe he. Maybe he thought I'm directing no. a zombie movie. No, uh-huh. he used to. He used to be like, oh yeah, you, you guys need to check out my movie, my zombie movie. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, it's it, not. It's just gonna be awesome. I like. It felt like an hour, and I was like 15 minutes into the film. <laughs> like I paused it, and I was like, "Oh dear God, damn!" PSG Tony just cruel tonight. Should these people I don't care about make a sequel I won't care about to a movie I've never seen? Way to inspire controversy. Damn. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, like, here's a let the hate flow through you. <laughs> here's a controversial question for you, PhD Tony. Should the United States of America send seventeen ICBMs straight for your ass? Comment below. <laughs> Comment below. Or hit us, shoot, us a, shoot us an email. We can order gmail.com. <laughs> Man Devil says, call them idiots. That worked for you last time. God damn. <laughs> oh, there's oh, Chris Durham Music Channel has just popped in. Says, JL, sorry I'm late. It's quite all right. You haven't missed much. I was just listening to an agnostic guy have a discussion with Matt Powell. Holy crap, that guy's insane. That's a that is a topic for another show, but I get it, and I ugh, woof, just crazy. That's just a topic fuck. for Friday's uh, Dingleberries. Yes, That's over on Johnny's channel. Mm. Yes, yes, N A N A. It was forty minutes, and it was it's, just I. Yeah. That that's the film they show in hell. That movie is frightening for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, it, the whole like the last. Like it, 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 the last twenty minutes of it was like the girls who the, the girls like in a basement and her fiance or husband or whatever is like turned into a zombie. So like you think a fight would break out or be like okay this is the her husband turned and they're gonna fight and everything. No, she sits at a desk and then screams at him for fifteen minutes to go away. But it's a basement, so the zombie can't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm trying, 15 lady. Fifteen minutes, <laughs> yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I riveting stuff. R- riveting. Riveting. <laughs> I would tell you this: um, the room was better. Yeah, the Tommy Wise. At least the Tommy Wiseau room can hold your attention. It's yeah. bad, but it can hold your attention. 
for an hour and a half. Wait, which one are we talking about? We're not talking about. Uh, You're tearing me apart, Lisa. Lisa. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, no, did not not I did not hit her. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly 60 takes for that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Somebody uh, supercut that with, what was the other one? Oh, I can't remember. There was a supercut version of that with that. Uh, the sam- the it was a Samurai Cop. And uh, there was another <laughs> one. That's not put right. together. Yeah, it really isn't. Um, you know, they're making a Samurai Cop, too, right? Oh, I there, hope there, so. there already is a Samurai Cop too. Oh, you mean Kung Fury too? No, Samurai Cop. Because there's going to be a Kung Fury too as well. Well, that's okay. Yeah, there's well, already a two, so they'd be definitely making a third one. Maybe, but they had an interview with a guy who played Samurai Cop talking about, yeah, um, you know, I just got out of acting school. Like, what? Wait, we you like went inside and then <laughs> yeah i went to acting school you walked oh. into one thinking it was a restaurant <laughs> the first one came out in the 80s and you just now went to acting school yeah jesus christ no he was talking about that that was his first film after he quote graduated from acting school oh dear god yeah <laughs> if i if i'm the school that he went to like, no, nah, I have no idea who that fucking guy is. He never <laughs> yeah, here. He didn't go here. <laughs> didn't go here. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, man. All, All right. right. Well, well, not Alex. What do we have uh, up next? Yeah. <laughs> not got, not uh, a Alex. <laughs> not Alex here. Uh, we have a film that came out in 2001, originally titled Down, and by a stroke of comedic genius. When the DVD came out, they retitled it The Shaft. I'll let you guys put that together. Oh <laughs> I swear we're not talking about a porno. <laughs> I mean, we were I just promise. <laughs> Someone's going to be listening to this. They're going to go online like, I think I downloaded the wrong movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's a 2001 English language American Dutch science fiction horror film. Uh, written and directed by Dick Ma, starring James Marshall, Naomi Watts, and Eric Thal. It's a remake, right? It's a remake of a uh, of the Dutch De Lift, right? The Elevator. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I uh, did not get to watch this por- film, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> plot wise, I don't know really what it's about, except somebody's going down the shaft. <laughs> <laughs> and then shit gets real. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. Uh, let's see here. What does Wikipedia say? <laughs> okay, so yeah, <laughs> elevator that eats people. An elevator that eats people. Yeah. In, in, in essence, the evil, uh, the evil lightning that we have spoken about before in the podcast is such a wonderful trope of most of a lot of horror films. The evil lightning shows up and turns a elevator just like a state-of-the-art elevator into an evil state you know state-of-the-art elevator and then proceeds to kill people just wantonly because you know i guess it, it it has like a fucking brain i still don't really understand how the brain fits into it because it actually had like a fucking brain like a like a legit human looking brain it was weird but uh but yeah turns the elevator evil and then it's a combination there's it's weird there's bad guys in it and then there's the elevator and then naomi watts is running around in there uh, they're in the building. I don't fucking. It was. It's it's, it's, it's an evil ele- elevator. Don't it's get an it. evil fucking elevator. 
<laughs> is pretty much what it is. But uh, talking about this, there's not much. I mean, there's not much to really honestly say about this, other than it's you know it's this was early in Naomi Watts' career. This was you know I think this was in the first uh, ten years of her career, and uh, this was I think right before she picked up uh, Mulholland Drive. But uh, but Naomi Watts did. And she, and she, I love Naomi Watts. She's classic. You know, she was really excellent in the ring. She's one of my favorite actresses. But uh, one thing I wanted to bring this one up is because instead of examining you know evil elevators, which we will here in a second, if we really can't examine an evil elevator, I wanted to exam. I wanted to take a look at the the, the trope of the evil lightning. Evil lightning, because the building is struck by lightning and makes the elevator evil for some reason. But we've seen this before. The, the the lightning strikes the mall and makes the new mall security robots evil, and they start killing everybody. The lightning strikes the uh, J- you know, lightning struck Jason, reanimated him, and all of a sudden he's undead and he's unstoppable and unkillable and super strong and shit. The evil lightning trope. Where does it come from? Why is it so amazing? And why do we keep using it? I think it has ch- changed it over time. Didn't it like start so, with Frankenstein, right? Yeah, because I was going to say lighting, the unknown, the unknown aspects of of like electricity and yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like it gets started in Frankenstein, and at the time, electricity was new. Even though the book came out before electricity, it was still a new concept of it, and so it was. It, people were getting familiar people that understand why it worked you just had this energy that ran through and it's like well this energy could do anything so i think that's where it gets started but later on when you start getting to films like this and choppy mall and all these others it's more of a it's no longer unknown it's more of like the plot device you need something to scramble the hard drive of these of these robots we need something to scramble this we need it to affect that and so you you basically you've got like a person that is just intentionally malicious to do this or you have to have an act of nature and it's just an easy act of nature to use oh let's see we got um so uh I would just see someone new. Uh, Mr. Malort has come into the chat. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Malort. Always great to see you. Um, let's see. Uh, PC Tony, the original Dulift uh, or Delift um, did not, or uh, you know, Dutch for the elevator, did not have Rector Hauer. Um, but it would have been cool because, yes, he was Dutch as well. Um, it probably would have been a better film. Although, crazily enough, uh, it was one of the best grossing uh, films in Dutch cinema history. Which is wild because this movie, this remake of it, was absolutely not. I don't know how you take something that was excellent there. Maybe it's just you know the people of Holland. Maybe they just fucking love that shit. Um, and then Mandevil says it comes from Short Circuit. It doesn't come from Short Circuit. But interestingly enough, Johnny Five, one of the books he bought was Frankenstein. Frankenstein, yeah, yeah. And then someone said uh, in the book of Frank, in the book of Frankenstein, there was no lightning. That's only in the movies. This is true. I think lightning is just more cinematic, right. and yeah. it's like ah, oh, lightning and geo, you know, just you know the the unbridled electricity of nature, which I think is interesting. And then Primer says, on the other hand, lightning struck Johnny Five and made him alive. This is also true. That that, true. that was the good lightning. Hey, laser lips. Yeah, good. Your mama was a, a snowblower. Snow <laughs> <laughs> but that was yes, that was uh, good lightning. That was the that was the rare case of the good lightning that came this in, and, like the good lightning that helped out Doc Brown in Back to the Future. Get that's that the, little lost boy back home. Exactly. Yep. That's that's the good lightning, and then this <laughs> is the evil lightning, like in like in uh, the movie Virus. That was the evil lightning that came from space and made the ship alive. 
and yeah. apparently and evil as well as a full I do of evil notice robots. that lightning is used a lot in uh, in horror films, a great deal. Yeah. To great, or at yeah. least storms, you know, storms altogether. Do you uh, think it's a primal that's a primal thing that it just speaks to us at, at the most so at the most primitive level? Try and put yourself back in Cro-Magnum or Neanderthal times, right? And you're out hunting, gathering, and all of a sudden the sky turns dark when it's normally light. And then you see flashes of light and this gigantic boom happens. Not knowing anything about anything, right? Yeah, I imagine that would be a primal fear, that and snakes. Oh, absolutely. That's why you have so so much lore about it, like Thor's hammer or mm -hmm. these other cultures that mm -hmm. try to explain why that would happen. Zeus and his lightning bolts. So exactly. even so, even today in 2021, it still speaks to us on some level. Even though we have, we fully understand what lightning is, we understand where it comes from. We know that it do, obviously it does not turn things evil or good. Unfortunately, this world would be so much more interesting if it did. Um, but yeah, so it still does speak to us on that level. And I think Ooh, it, that's, that's kind of funny that prime red brings out the fact that we, sh we, we should have noticed that it was also the lightning that took doc back to 1885. This is true. So oh, yeah, the evil lightning sent him back in time. Maybe the lightning is not good or evil. It just is. Man devil says in Japanese lightning and thunder is called Kaminari, which means the scream of the gods. Mm. That's fucking yes. metal. Yeah, that's like that is oh, that's hauntingly beautiful. That's uh, I just I'm gonna have to <clears throat> contact my bandmates, tell them to change the name of a band. <laughs> Ivy Gentry says Victorians were terrified of electricity. Well, I can imagine that something new. I mean, in essence, I can imagine when people first saw Tesla coils going off, boom, boom. It's like yeah, people would be scared to shit of that. You know, it's something brand new. It's brand new technology. We think we've harnessed it. It looks like fucking lightning in a storm. There's no way that the power is too much. And then, you know, man's hubris. But I do, I, I kind of dig that, that this old trope. And I mean, this is probably, this is something so primal. It, it goes beyond monsters in the dark. This goes beyond vampires and werewolves and ghosts and goblins and the, the things well, that go bumping. It takes us back and, to nature. Right? Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah. It, 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 do, it takes us back to when we were out there and, you know, looking for shelter because scary shit was in the sky. Or, you know, we saw it hit the ground and there were sparks or it hit a tree and it erupted into flames. And it's like, ah, you know, and it was loud and I couldn't hear anymore. I've actually been out of Philmont one time. We had a storm run up on us and the thunderclap, it was, the storm was like legit on top of us. And the thunderclap knocked us to the ground. I don't know where the lightning hit because everything was just like, you know, white for a brief second, and then the thunder hit, oh, you know, immediately after, and, and knocked like her. guys got hit by a fucking lightning bolt. Well, we didn't yeah. know, nobody got hit. You're, you're describing what a lot of people, a lot of survivors of lightning strikes. Yeah, um, but no, but no, nobody in the troop got struck, but the thunderclap was enough to knock us all to the ground, which was really scary. Or the or the bolt of lightning, one of those two. Well, nobody mm -hmm. got hit by anything. <laughs> Maybe it was the force of it, I don't know, but all I know is, for a brief second, everything went white, Everybody said the exact same thing. The, like everything went white, and then the thunderclap hit, and then everybody was picking themselves up off the ground. It was absolutely insane. So yeah, I can imagine five thousand, you know, ten thousand years ago. That yeah, this would be the scariest shit that you could possibly encounter because everything runs from it. No one right. wants to be out in that shit. Even animals run oh, away yeah. from that crap. So yeah, that's scary stuff. And so I dig that this trope is still around. That our understanding and our almost our full our control of lightning. 
you know, our ability to wield it, our ability to direct it, our, you know, our understanding of it has not completely alleviated that kind of instinctive fear of this thing that comes from the sky. You know, I dig that. That's it. It's just kind of a, a good hallmark to where, you know, where we've come from and that it's pronounced the G as a J. Ah. And what? What? I'm not sure. Gentry? Oh, Gentry. Ivy, I, I've been saying Ivy Gentry, I think. Ivy Gentry. Oh, Ivy Gentry. Okay. okay, my bad. Ivy Gentry. I will remember that. Thank you so much for clarifying that. So, yeah, I mean, I dig that. And I think, obviously, I mean, it's uh, uh, sometimes it's not well used. It, I don't think it was well used here because elevators are, you know, it's just a fucking elevator. But now it's a sentient evil elevator that wants to cut people in half it's and kill them. evil elevator. No, it's a, yeah, it's um, something that I could see happening. If this would have been like a like a child's film, you know, like a kids horror film, I think it would have worked. Kids horror film, because they're they're you know they're like well you don't have kids but you sometimes getting them on the elevator can be tough or the escalator like mm-hmm. that would be a True. good one the eat the yeah. escalator that eats people you know that would be a good one that was a kill in I think a Final Destination wasn't it that was so. uh, no the third one I think third or fourth one the third or fourth one I think maybe. One yeah, of them. Well, I know that, like, uh, yeah. well, I know that, like, you know, the the elevator broke away and it was like looking down into the gears of hell. Although I know, an, uh, I know, an escalator doesn't actually look like that. But with the other thing, it was like, <laughs> holy <laughs> shit! It's like this yeah. behemoth mechanism. Like, who it, would fucking make an escalator like this? Who, Jesus Christ! Who yeah. would, Somebody has to service this thing. Come on, people! What are who you would thinking? build this? It's like it's like the fucking mangler underneath there. <laughs> <laughs> what was that scene in in um, uh, what the hell? God damn it! Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. Like the two where they're going oh, to the chompers. <laughs> the chompers and shit. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> it's like, who decides? Her reaction to that is one of my. Hell no. <laughs> she didn't say hell no in that. Oh, Joe, she didn't say, oh, screw this. Yeah. Um, for anybody, oh, I know we got a lot of Galaxy Quest fans in there. This is such a digression, but it has to be stated. Sigourney Weaver, that was not the original line. Sigourney Weaver did because they see it and they see like the, the choppers going womp, womp, you know, like, and it's just, it's, it's fucking impossible. Mario couldn't get through that shit. Yeah. And she looks, she takes one look at that and the line, the dubbed line is, oh, screw this. And she goes to leave and Tim Allen, Tim Allen catches her. No, you could tell very, very obviously she was like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> she was yeah. great. N-A-N-A, kids are like people, only smaller. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Christopher Music Channel says, so it was the protagonist's mother that was struck by lightning and powder. There because you go. of because of powder. Like he was a uh, Wait, wait, wait. Was it the lightning that struck her and turned her into and turned him into basically essentially a light uh, he became like a lightning rod? I think he was he was born a lightning rod, or he was he was a lightning rod that that was the reason why she got struck by lightning was because of this pregnancy because he ah. was he was the thing that was pulling in all this all the electricity. Sean Patrick Flannery was amazing that movie. I thought he was so good. He was. Oh, um, oh absolutely. Yeah. Excellent film. So ultimately, and uh, it was correct. And this is something that was also a weird dichotomy. Now addressing it, we now we've addressed the lightning. This is something really really weird. The concept that. The Dutch film is one of the best films ever made in Dutch cinema. Uh, people That's sad for Dutch cinema. I well, yeah, but people loved it. 
but the remake was absolute trash. How does that happen? Do you think there are some things that are better left alone? Um, you know, just some things you should, really shouldn't do. You shouldn't try. Oh, it was really good in, in Dutch cinema. Okay. Um, well, then how come that really good Dutch cinema film isn't doing really good by itself outside of Dutch cinema? Well, it's... it's not in English. All right, let's make it in English. Oh, it, we, it sucks. Yeah, because when you get a really good movie, and you're like, okay, well, we're we're gonna make we're gonna remake this really good movie. You, you are lucky if you get up to the same level as the original film, right? Like, I mean, and that that's just like, hey, really good film already exists, and you're just trying. If you're really lucky to get here, I mean, very very few have ever surpassed. The, there are a couple of exceptions. There, there, yeah, there yeah. are some exceptions. It has happened before, but those those are exactly that the exception, right, to the rule. It, typically, what ends up happening is you get the original film. So the original film is usually comes from a place of passion, somebody who works really hard and like I right. I wrote this, I want to put this together, I love this film, cast it. It's a passion project. Then a studio buys the IP and they hire a director that it's not a passion project. Yeah, it's yeah, a we job. need to make this. Yeah, we need to make this money. This has to. We need to turn like turn some dollars. Yeah, really. It is. It, it is just okay. Well, here this is the original. Uh, we got the rights to it. Now just make something to pump out money. And there's just right. no love. There's no care behind. I think one of the biggest ones was uh, Let the Right One In, where you have the fantastic original French film and mm. then the fucking trash one that came out uh, like I don't know, a couple of years later on it. It just it didn't. It doesn't have the heart. It it doesn't have the feel. It misses on everything that made the original good. Uh, nearly 100 episodes in the can without having to take a pee break. I had to step away. I'm so embarrassed. Why? <laughs> Use a bottle. Jail. Golly, just fucking Riley that shit. No, absolutely not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, what I mean is, uh, you know, we're old. We can't hold our pee as like we used to. Normally, I time it better. I don't like. I don't like to to break off and just say, "Oh, I'm just gonna leave in the middle of the show." It's like, but fuck it. I was like, I was sitting here going, "I gotta ask this. I gotta get this question out because I really gotta go." <laughs> you missed my entire rant. In <laughs> you gotta, you're gonna have to go back and re-listen to that. I'll wait. <laughs> yes but our audience won't but i will definitely go back I'll, I'll have to go back and listen to it because we're gonna have to we're gonna have to edit so i'm, I'm gonna hear it it just i just i was like i was like oh my god i went to the bathroom i i already had gone i always do before the show i was like i gotta I just make sure i don't Hold i don't have to go get before we left i what do you want me to i did i try i did <laughs> And all of a sudden, it hit me. I guess it was the Diet Coke I just finished drinking. I'm not really sure, but it just kind of yeah, ran through me. And fisting them all, two fists and two liters. Yeah, it's going to run through you a little bit. <laughs> Edward, two, two liters. Two at <laughs> a time. Fuck, you know. Edward, 40 hands. <laughs> People get six packs of cans. Jail gets a case of fucking two liters. <laughs> Oh well, exactly. yes, I had to. Speaking yes, of, and is right. Do not pull a Riley. God damn right. Yeah, no, no. Speaking of, what's your favorite scary movie object? <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Not exactly how I intended that to be read out, but Johnny wasn't there for the breakdown of the scripts. <laughs> I think the intention was, 
What's your favorite movie that's centered around an, an inanimate object, you know, uh, that, you know, where the, an object became evil or something of that nature, like, you know, an evil car or an evil lawnmower or an evil, you know, washing, you know, what was it, a, pr- a laundry pressing machine, like the Mangler, who fucking knows, or well, I don't know. You put it that way, it's got to be Christine, right? I, was, I thought Christine right Christine off the Christine would be amazing. Yes, it would. That would be an excellent choice. <laughs> Man, I devil, weak and horror in the can. Pee break. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we saw what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This show is so off the rails. <laughs> but all right. Well, we got one more left, don't we? Yes, we do. We got one more film. And I will take us home because this was a bad week of movies but i love this movie i don't give a fuck what anybody says i absolutely adore this movie the one the last one we're going to be talking about tonight released may 22nd 1992 and it's alien 3 yes and you have to leave that silence there for people to shake their collective heads no i have to you have to i have again? to no i have to close those so i can bring up the posters <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah poster check i can't poster i can't check. talk and do it at the same time but nonetheless uh yes so may uh may 22nd 1992 alien 3 directed by david fincher and screenplay by a lot of people in this but predominantly david geeler walter hill larry ferguson and david tui all contributed to this plus a number of others Based on a story by Vincent Warden, starring, of course, Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, Charles S. Dutton, Charles Dance, Lance Henriksen. Oh, what? Where? Where could we possibly? Okay, I, I'm, I will preface it with this: I love this movie, I really do, and I know a lot of people out there do not like this movie, including David Fincher himself. I've, I'm already getting hate right there. Save <laughs> PSU Tony saving the I worst. PSU Tony saving the worst for last. Mandevil Alien Three is much better after you watch Alien Four. Prime Red, JL is wrong. PSG Tony, I hate Alien 3 with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns. Yes. Okay, oh, okay. there's NANA with my back. I like Alien. NANA likes Alien 3. You know what, NANA? You're my, you're my new best friend, <laughs> at least for this segment right here. The, the fourth can you, get space how... AIDS and go to hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The fourth was bad. The fourth was, was really terrible. fucking bad. Written by Joss Whedon, directed by some French guy. I can't remember his fucking yeah, name. But anyway, but I love this movie. But despite the fact it was a most god-awful fucking production to get this movie made. The, it, it is legendary on the level of like the island of Dr. Moreau. With Richard, you know, Richard Stanley, that that Kiwi, Val Kilmer, Marlon Brando, absolutely fucking insane. But this one was bad. Really fucking bad. It was it was really bad to the point where David Fincher didn't know what he was shooting from day to day. Like it got it was that and point. We so, can tell. Yeah. <laughs> it was so he was hired on. This is his first feature film. So David Fincher's brand new. And hired him to direct this after a whole whole plethora of scripts. They finally went one. And there was so much studio interference where studio execs are on set every single day. And they're going, no, they're going to do this. No, they did that. And it was literally like, okay, well, they already built the sets. So the sets are already set in stone. And it is rewriting, restructuring, doing all this other kind of stuff on a daily basis. So there's no cohesive 
tone or feel throughout the entire film. And then it's just like, okay, well, now we just shot a bunch of shit, and hopefully we'll see what we can do in editing on it. And David Fincher, after after that experience, he disowned the film. Uh, he actually, the studio came up to him 20 years later and was like, hey, we would actually really like you to do director's cut. And David Fincher told him to fuck off. Damn. Like, he's like, no, I'm not even. He wishes that he could take his name off the credits for he the could. film. That's how, that's how much he Let me ask it. you guys this, right? Mm-hmm. So being in, being filmmakers, would you, would you take as your first feature film something like alien the alien franchise fuck yes really yes i i would because the fact that you can put that on your resume is a big thing because i guarantee you something from alien 3 was able to allow fincher to make seven on it and Mm -hmm. he may have been more way more selective or how however i don't know how you came to directing seven but there's something in an alien that allows that to happen. So you do it, you suck it up, it's paying your dues, you get pissed off in it, and then you go do what you actually want to do. Well, what I mean is, what I mean is, like, if looking at it from a fan's point of view, right? If, you know, if Ridley Scott himself came to me and said, Johnny, I want you to direct Alien 6. I know we don't have Alien 6, we're not even on Alien 5 yet, so chill the fuck out, people. I don't know if I, I mean, obviously I'd be an idiot, be like, nah, I don't want to do it. I, but I would have some serious reservations about it simply because it is a, there's so much fan investment into the alien franchise that it's really easy to fuck it up. Yeah, you would have to tread lightly. You would. And I, and I acknowledge that just because I've, I've been behind the camera. Which You've been behind what, the I mean, camera. Look what's happened now. Look you with Alien Three. We're talking about this Alien Three that people hate. I don't think. They're, I don't think the crit. I don't think the commercially it's hated as much as it is. It was hated critically. So the critics hated so much because it was so dissimilar from the first one and the second one, and that it did not. And they believe it did not. Basically, you had Alien, and then you had Aliens, which raised the. You know, it's Cameron it raised the fucking bar. The guy who directed Terminator is the one who handled this. And then you want to try and top that. Okay? And I can understand they wanted to go in a different way. They wanted to tell a different kind of story. They wanted elements from the first film and elements from the second one. You know, you have all the convicts instead of Marines. You have uh, Ripley kind of by herself, the lone leader amongst a whole bunch of people. You know, of course, running around in the dark. It's claustrophobic. She's, you know, this is a prison. You know, she's trapped there just like she was trapped on the Sulaco. Or no, trapped on the, um, not the Sulaco. The Nostromo. Nostromo. So, in that respect, I get what they were trying to do. I the I think the 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 reason this film was a failure is because of the was because of the writing because nobody knew and Fox the studio itself because even David Fincher will say you know Fox totally fucked him over. It was a pain in the ass working for him. The big thing about it is they did not know what kind of story they wanted to tell. That's where I see the the primary failure was. David Fincher is a brilliant director. I mean, he followed this up. I mean, God, yeah, well, look at this. He followed it up with. Oh, I mean, he got, he was nominated this year for an Academy Award. Yeah. For he, Mank. For he, Mank. he followed this up with, uh, with Seven, then The Game with Michael Douglas, then Fight Club, then Panic Room. Zodiac was amazing. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. He's. He's. He's iconic. He's one of my favorite directors, hands down. Yeah. I, I would go to answer your question 
in terms of being approached by a franchise. If I was, if I'm right now and some other state take Star Wars, for example, if Disney came up to me and was like, hey, would you direct the next Star Wars film? I would say yes. If I was already established as a director, I would say Hell probably no. Because no. even when they were trying to make The Force Awakens, a lot of directors turned it down. J.J. Abrams was not their first choice. And so just because directors had that same thing, it's like, I didn't want to be the one to fuck it up because they went to Matthew Vaughn, who ended up doing The Kingsman instead of Force Awakens, mm-hmm. because at least The Kingsman is original. Um, and J.J. Abrams, they wanted him to do three films, and he only agreed to do the first one, which I would get to that later. But And he even then, he said he didn't sleep for a week after it was done because he was afraid that the fans would hate it. It's a, it's yeah, a, it is a risk you take. It is. Um, there were complications on the line. That, that, that's what shocks it. That's one of the reasons, but that ultimately it's one of the reasons why I love the movie. The fact that David Fincher, I mean, the fault does not lie with David Fincher. David Fincher was, was directed brilliantly. The fault doesn't lie with it. Someone mentioned, uh, I agree with him in the chat. The fault doesn't lie with the cast. Sigourney Weaver is amazing. It was really good cast. I mean, yes. Charles Dutton and, uh, and Charles, uh, uh, golly. Charles S. Dutton. Uh, Charles or Charles Dutton, Dance. Yeah. Charles Dance. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Those, I mean, and Sigourney Weaver, of course, is a fantastic cast. They, they all, everybody in their role played their roles really well, especially when you take into consideration the fact they probably didn't know what the fuck they were supposed to say going into the day shoot. Yeah. It, it's just, you're right. It's the writing, it's the studio, because right off the bat, how does the film start? The aliens is about them escaping. You have Newt, you have Hicks them coming and then you just kill them right off the bat so you basically you make aliens the second one a mute point like it's just that doesn't matter anyway it would have been better if they survived and then if newt and hicks or something like that were killed later on in the film like okay at least you get some more story development and maybe their death can make sense but it's just like right off the bat you have the second one it's so hyped it's so big and it's like everything you like about it gone just straight yeah. gone, killed off. Don't even worry about it anymore. And it just le- it leaves you an empty feeling to start. And just like, what? What? Okay. Yeah. And it just it never. And it just to me it never recovered from that. There were some really good moments, right? So Charles Dance and Sigourney Weaver were in there having their uh, you know their heart to heart about whatnot before he gets just whacked. Hey, we have a, an amazing actor. Let's kill him within the first thirty minutes of the film, because that's good. I would know. Right? I would say it was the first thirty minutes. Well, you know, it was within it was within the first act of the film. I mean, they had time to develop him, and then you know, they, they had time yeah. to develop him. They end up sleeping together, and then uh, he tells his story about how he wound up on the planet, and you know, his kind of quest for redemption. And then, yeah, he gets smoked. That's fitting. That's I, I felt that to be quite fitting for an alien film because that's what this fucking thing is. Remember. We have this depth of character, and it, I mean, how much depth of character do we really get in the previous films? Especially the first film, we got it. We, we got it there with um, Sigourney and with uh, Ripley and Newt in Aliens. There was the mother daughter bonding there, but we'd never seen we'd seen Ripley as the badass first officer, the, as the badass XO, and then we've seen Ripley in the in the mother figure in the mother role, but we never seen her in the in like you know the the woman role. You know, just, you know, the, her her alone. She was always had a role to play. She was the XO. She was the consultant. She was the mom to Newt. But never in the, you know, just, just herself. 
There's no responsibility. She's not leading anybody. She's not in a position of authority. She's just on her own in the universe. And I like that aspect. Because every time we've seen Ripley, she's been in a position where people need to listen to her. And then either they refuse to and they die or they or they listen to her and they survive. Where she's got, she is the one with the answer. She's the one with the plan. She's the one who has to take over when everybody else fails. That's what I really, really enjoyed. In this one, it was not so much that environment. You've got an asshole warden with an idiot first and go, you know, uh, you know, right hand man, and then a bunch of fucking convicts who are not going to do what a woman says, unless you know the the situation is that dire. I like that. I like the the change of the dynamic. I thought Fincher handled handled it beautifully. All the actors were magnificent. Everything was great. I loved the set design. The idea of a prison planet, you know, ditched off into fucking space somewhere. That's fucking cool. Think of it like. Deep Space Nine. It's still Star Trek, but it's on it's on the station. This is yeah, aliens, spacefaring. We're jumping planet to planet. We're on ships. Now it's literally now we're grounded on a planet. Yeah, and then they went with a cartoon, a literal cartoon alien. Yes, they did utilize CGI in some no, of the scenes. They stumbled through CGI. It was terrible. That was the worst part about this whole thing. Well, that, they didn't like, ma- they didn't match, but there was still a lot of puppetry in this. But the problem is, is when they use a CG, it was so piss poorly done that it completely like it was. It was more comedic to me seeing that little cartoon thing where I was like, "Hey, there's go there goes fucking Tom and Jerry. Fuck off! This is not frightening. This is a cartoon. It's not even a scary cartoon." Yeah, it just like it was the cool. The dog alien was a cool concept. It moved like a dog. That was kind of cool. But I have I have to agree in terms of like execution. On it, like we, I think the issue is is the alien's mysterious in the first one because we don't know what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, then you get the second one and you get exposed to so much of the aliens, there it's no longer mysterious. So it's like from here on out, as an audience, the alien, the xenomorph, can never be mysterious again because we already know so much about it. Mm-hmm. So trying I mean, to yes. be mysterious again, it just it doesn't hit right. Yeah, unless they they change the the form of the alien, right? Because now it's a dog. That's when I guess they really started getting into the the mythos of the of the uh, symbiotic relationship between host and parasite with the alien, right? Because before it had always been human, 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 whatever, no big deal. Now, oh, it's coming out of a dog. So why does it look different? Which is again a really cool concept. Yeah, it's just it was just poorly executed. We can easy, Tony. As a friendly piece of advice to me, you're just digging yourself deeper. <laughs> I will dig myself a hole in this one. Now, yes, there were problems with the film. Uh, I think, and I agree with. I think it was Cameron. It was James Cameron who who who, um, or I guess, voiced the sentiment that killing off um, Hicks and Newt, especially fridging them off, you know, you know, in between film, like fridging them off screen, that was some bullshit. Yeah. That was a slap in yeah. the face to the fans. That was a slap in the face to the characters. That was a slap in the face to all the work that Michael Bain and Carrie Henn put in to make to make those characters so rich and make them so beloved in pop culture. That was, but that was not. That's not a Fincher decision. That's a studio decision. They, they're the ones that finalized the script. There was and, something was something with Michael Bain. Either he didn't want to do it, or the studio didn't want to pay him to do it. Or there was a. That's the reason why they went off him because they couldn't they couldn't come to terms uh, on a contract for the film. Yeah, but they wanted him back and he wanted to be back, 
They just couldn't figure out the numbers. Okay. Which sucks. That's, fair fair that's a moment when you pay him whatever he needs. You pay him what yeah, he I, needs. I, I, don't in order to... he was, I don't yeah. think he was asking for any exorbitant amount of money either. I don't think it was that it was it was less than what they paid Charles S. Dutton. Yeah. But for some reason they just they they wanted him back, but they didn't want him back that bad. See, and that's that that I disagree with. That that really pissed me off. That that was one thing that really aggravated me. But I love how Sigourney Weaver handled it, how Ripley handles it, how she portrayed that. This loss that was beyond the realm of her control. You know, she's still subject to the whims of a of, of a cruel universe. And just the dark, you know, the dark nature of the story, and it sets up the dark nature of the storyline of, you know, a bunch of convicts finding God at the ass end of space, and then all of a sudden this thing drops in there and starts, you know, killing them all, you know, you know, just pitilessly. I there was there was aspects of the movie that I absolutely love, and I will defend to the end. There's things that I seriously, seriously disagree with, just because of you know studio interference from Fox or the problems with the writers. Now, when I mentioned the issues with the writers on this one, it has to be said that. There was the William Gibson script, which was, uh, there was the William Gibson script. There was the Eric Red script. There was the David Tuhi script. There was the Vincent Ward one, um, Walter Hill, David Geeler. I mean, this thing went through so many hands and then people, you know, took from this, moved this around, changed this, altered this. It was a Frankenstein by the time they got to it with all of these different voices in, in there to try and make a coherent story. And then there were changes along the way because Fox didn't want this or Fox didn't like that or fought, you know the, the, the dailies were sent off and said this was crap this has to change, and when you're when that happens I mean this is unfortunately this fucking happens with some movies it should never have happened with an Alien film because that's where this thing dipped and that's the unfortunate thing but still I think there's enough. Hang on a sec. I think we had some friendly fire. We, I think we do have some friendly fire. Mandela said, Mandela said there was an earlier script where Hicks and Newt were dropped off at a station before everything went wrong, but it was dropped. See, even that's a possibility. At least to have some closure with, yeah. with those characters. At least, you know, they, they, they got through it. Ripley got them through it. And then on her, on her way to go wherever she needed to be, then the bad shit, you know, the bad shit takes place. I would have liked, I would have, I would like that a lot more. Uh, I, I would have liked that a lot more too. Still could have kept the alien on the ship, stowaway alien on the ship, right? Um, yeah. But ah, whatever. Like I said, it is what it is. It's a giant turd. Well, regardless of the fact that it's a giant turd, the movie. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, the movie was a giant turd. Well, the movie won a ridiculous amount of of awards. It can be said that despite the fact that this film was disavowed by David Fincher. A lot of the cast and crew were very disappointed with it, and you know nobody, you know nobody really, you know, nobody really likes to like talk about it. It's kind of like the the you know we want to love it, but there's so much to hate. But you know whatever, it's, it's that kind of you know just that weird dichotomy with the film. It 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 won a, it won a ton of awards. It really did. It, I mean, I, I get the fact, but I think a lot of those words come from the fact that it's just part of the Alien franchise. That It's it's one of those, the franchise was so strong when it came out, people overlooked certain things. It's almost like when you think about the fa- back to the Phantom Menace, when you first saw it in theaters, <laughs> and you're like, okay, okay, maybe I'm watching it wrong. 
Maybe I. So you go and watch it again. No, no, I'm just not getting what George Lucas said. It has to be me. And on the third or fourth time you see it, you're like, is this a bad film? <laughs> that, that's really how I was. felt like people responded when Alien 3 is like, no, 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 no. I need, I, there's something wrong with my mind. I'm just not getting what they're doing with the Alien. Let me watch it again. It has to be good. It has to be. Yeah. Well, despite you know, despite all that, it won for it actually won for visual effects. Probably not for the CGI. Really? Probably yes, probably it won a huge I believe it won um I actually, you know, my my notes actually died on me because my phone wasn't on the charger. But uh it won a number of awards and was nominated for many, many more. And I think that the the puppetry effects in it I thought were fantastic. I thought there were some great you know some great shots, some great cinematography in the film that really that really captured it. Especially the differentiation between aliens, xenomorphs, and this new one that was born out of a dog. Actually, originally it was supposed to be born out of an ox, but it was born out of a dog. And I love the way that they handled it. I thought there were some great moments, um, and especially you know they were talking about it a great deal in the chat, which I think is really cool. Um, but I figured out why PhD Tony doesn't like Alien 3. Why is that? Because it's alien to the third power, right? That's the stylized <laughs> version. Uh, hang, on, no, no, hang on a second. Hang on alien second. cubed. Right, so it's supposed to be alien cubed, but it says three times the suspense, three times the danger, three times the terror. It's not alien times three. Alien cubed. Yeah, it's alien cubed. I thought that that poster was silly. That's why I didn't put it up it's on the stupid, screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why PhD Tony didn't yeah. like it. I, liked, no, I, loved this, I love this film for its artistic style, for its cinematography, for what David Fincher brought to the franchise. The, the new characterization of Ripley, the fantastic chemistry between her and the other actors. I thought the entire ensemble was fantastic. Just, I mean, come on, dude. The scene when she's trying to put Bishop, uh, Bishop back together. And she gets attacked by the other inmates. And then, you know, and then uh, um, Dylan comes to her rescue and has to beat off the other dudes and, you know, actually kicks the shit out of the other inmates in order to you know, keep her from getting raped. I thought that was a fan. I mean, it was moments like that that were fantastic. I liked realizing that, that the movie set it up like, that Ripley is, you know, is, is almost more than human. She took on the alien queen and beat that fucker. You know, she was the last remaining survivor of the uh, of the Nostromo. With a glorified fucking pallet jack. Yeah, with a glorified pallet jack, <laughs> or glorified <laughs> no, like a like a human forklift. You know, yeah. it's it's great shit. But I like that it humanized her. We got to see the human aspect of the character, which I thought was brilliant. I thought it was so it was it was new. It was humanizing the like the 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 uh, yeah. over the top warrior. It's like no, there's still this aspect to them. She's not invincible. She can still be victimized as, as hard as she fights, you know? And sometimes someone has to come to Ripley's rescue, you know? And I like that. I like the, the, the it completely turned on the tables. I really, really, or turned the tables. I really dug the, it flipped the script way too many it, times. You know, you know. <laughs> I, I, I understand the points you're getting and those are excellent points. I just wish they were executed differently. Yeah, like like I'm okay with seeing Ripley's vulnerability, and at the fact that she can be a victim, but it just maybe in a different circumstance because it just it feels it just felt weird on it. Like just that the, the tone, uh, I like the tone, but the tone felt off. Like it didn't feel bad; it just felt off. Yeah, 
Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So for uh, I will say this, there is a silver lining to this to this dark cloud uh, of this film. Um there are two cuts of this movie. There is the theatrical cut, which I know everybody has seen. And then there was a cut called the assembly cut. And uh, some people I know, I know uh, the more um, regular, or the more regular fans, or the more like less main, more mainstream fans, not the hardcore fans, the more mainstream fans might not be aware that the assembly cut is actually more in line with David Fincher's vision for the film. It actually restores up to, I think, close to 30 minutes of footage to the movie and tweaks the editing so it's more in line with what David Fincher originally intended. And David Fincher gave the assembly cut his blessing. He said this because it was his vision. This is what he intended. Now, um, I don't own a copy of the assembly cut, unfortunately. Uh, it's actually kind of difficult to find now because the movie was supposed to be, we wanted to love it, so everybody snapped up a copy and copies online are rather expensive. I do want to show the assembly cut in our Week in Horror Discord. I really, really do because I think that would be awesome. I because I think everybody needs to be able to see this movie in a new light, with the editing that was supposed to be there, with David Fincher's vision fully behind it, and what what was intended to be done with this beloved franchise. You know, and I think I would like to give our audience the opportunity to watch that with me. I think it would be really, really cool to see what was intended, but. I wanted to ask some people like me. I, I still love the movie itself. Assembly cut or not, I still love the movie. So, what I wanted to ask was, do you think the assembly cut? Do you think and do, what are people's opinions out there? Do you think the assembly cut actually could make the film better? I've heard it was. I've heard that it is. I've heard David, you know, David Fincher gave his blessing to this release. Said, oh, they're doing this? I, you know, absolutely. This is what the intention is. And David Fincher was like, go for it. You know, you got it. Do it. You know, restore my vision. Just because this is said, it doesn't necessarily make the film better. It doesn't necessarily make the film. It could make the film worse. Who knows? What do you guys think? I don't know how many people out there have possibly seen it. Maybe none of you have seen it. But do you think... Unfresh cut could make this movie better, or is it simply, in your opinion, too bad to salvage? I would really like to know, and hopefully, we'll find out together. Yeah, because I don't think I've seen the assembly cut, so I'm, I'm obviously I'd be down to watch it on it, but I don't, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I'm curious. What about you, Johnny? Um, I think I've seen the assembly cut. I want to say once. I don't really remember it. Uh, but I have I don't have fond memories of Alien Three. I just think it's a shit film altogether. I think there was a lot of things that were wasted. Uh, again, Charles Dutton and Charles Dancet, the performances were wasted in this film uh, with just bad storytelling. Um, I don't know if it could. I don't know if you could put out a quote David Fincher cut, and I would be like, oh yeah, this is so much better. I don't know. Might wind up like the Zack Snyder Justice League cut. Right, exactly. Instead of two and a half hours of shit, it was four hours of shit. Four hours of shit, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you yeah. watch a total of six hours of shit. Six hours of shit. I'm like, God damn it, now I'm covered in shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I found what you were looking for, Jay. I'm going to share it with you here in a second. If I okay. But uh, definitely, everybody, uh, let us know in the comments below or let or shoot us an email, weekinhorror at gmail.com. 
Could do you think the assembly cut? Even if you haven't seen it, do you think it could do this film better? Do you think there could be a better cut of this movie, or is Alien Three simply, in your opinion, too bad to salvage? That it simply cannot be saved from whatever from all the atrocious things that went wrong with this film. So let us know. We'd love to hear what you think. Especially send those emails because Alex gets those emails first. He loves reading what you guys have to say. Be really really cool. Well, I think it's about time. It's about it's, it's trivia time. All right, it is trivia what are we time. Giving away today, Adriel. I am giving away a copy of Alien Three. No, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just fucking kidding. Oh, I'm just fucking kidding. Oh, Nobody's uh, going to answer that. It's question. Alien Four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving away a copy of Prometheus. <laughs> no, no, I'm not giving one of those. Um, right now, because we are gearing up towards our big, huge news, um, we have to. Make sure we don't spend uh, too much money um, in uh, in areas. So I'm um, giving away the best thing that we can give away, and I'm giving away a. It's because we are. I felt inspired. We are closing in on the season finale of season two. So I'm going to give away a season two weekend horror T-shirt, an official weekend horror season two shirt, to the winner of this, to the winner of this trivia contest. Because I mean, come on, this is episode thirty four. Episode 34, and you know, we only get what 34, we're less than 20 episodes away, yeah, from the season yeah. finale, and that's the end of season two. So, holy, shit. um, yes. yeah, so uh, just to commemorate a season two week in horror t shirt, we'll go into the winner of this trivia question. Take it away, Eugene. Okay, this is actually a pretty, this is a good one, it'll, it'll take some, take some work. So, go ahead. Get Google ready unless you already know. If get you already know this, I'll be get your get your fingers loose. Yeah. The question is: what legendary film actor made his film debut in a cameo role in Grizzly 2 Revenge? So repeat, so repeat the question. What legendary film actor made his film debut in a cameo role in Grizzly 2 Revenge? I'm very curious to see how long it's it how long it takes yes. someone to get this. It, it is the first person to comment in the chat will win the prize. Mm-hmm. So silence. Nobody yet. So, someone's gonna have to Google it. Charlie says he'll let the other guys win. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Commander Darklight. Another some more appreciation for Alien Three. Uh, not Gary Busey. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been. No, that would have been. <laughs> his name is not Gary Busey. His name is sixty thousand dollars of washed up cocaine. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> that's brutal. Chris Durham Music Channel says tonight's pre-answer trivia question. Oh, ding, 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 ding. we Sir, got it. Sarcasm got it. It was George Clooney. George Clooney had an uncredited cameo role in Grizzly 2 Revenge in a scene that he, <laughs> Neil Breen, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I, fucking, I fucking love Neil Breen. <laughs> I do like, though, who has said, uh, Christopher Music Channel said, tonight's pre answer trivia question answer is Francis Bovier. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yes, the answer was George Clooney. And this because you look at the career that the man's gone to, the man is legendary. So um, George Clooney actually shared the scene with a young Laura Dern. 
and they had a little kind of noodling session before you know the bear shows up. And it was funny because her father, Bruce Dern, actually didn't want her to take this movie because he was afraid that having this as a first big, you know, on-screen uh, moment that her the rest of her career would be sexualized. That and it didn't happen. Laura Dern is an amazing, t- amazingly talented actress. Uh, but she and George Clooney got to get it on in Grizzly 2 Revenge, and that movie also had an uncredited uh, role for Charlie Sheen as well. Charlie Sheen was in that movie. I just consider, when I say legendary, I think George Clooney, you know, not Charlie you Sheen. You don't think Tiger Blood is legendary? I don't think, he, I think he's legendary in his own mind. He's oh, always shit. winning, though. He's yeah, always he's winning. <laughs> I'd say I'd say George Clooney is a bit more legendary than Charlie Sheen. Why? Because he was insane elsewhere. <laughs> For a number of reasons. Look at it. Look at look at JL. He does not know how to compute. Fucking, I fucking hate you. <laughs> so yes, congratulations to Sarcasm. His whose Google foo is strong. We will be sending you a week in horror, a season two T-shirt. As uh, for winning this, uh, for winning tonight's trivia question, fucking hell, I cannot talk. Blah, I'm tripping over my own tongue. Oh, and look at that, Sean one thirty seven. Sean thirty, well, Sean one thirty seven jumped in. He commented, but unfortunately did not win. But thank you for stopping by, Sean one thirty seven. <laughs> right there towards the end, really appreciate it. And Catnip Entertainment. Oh, Catnip Entertainment also popped in. Hello, hello. Nice. Just, just in time for the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Laura Dern has the sexiest looking at a dinosaur face in film history. She does. That's just, you know, true story. True story. True, true story, story bro. Absolutely. That's, that's why she was cast. Oh, the well. Big goodness. Glasses. That's another one. And so, oh, and Sarcasm. If I don't, Sarcasm's won before. I think he's won something before. I don't know if I have Sarcasm. Well, let me see. I mean, yeah, I think I have Sarcasm's uh, shipping details. I want to double check because I don't want him to send them to me again. Where's my okay. notes? Where's my notes? Week in horror notes. Sarcasm. Is he a previous winner? I think he's a previous winner. Um, no. Wait. Well, just just go ahead and just have us okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarcasm, yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead and shoot us your shipping details. Weekendhorrorgmail.com, or you can hit me up on Discord directly. Just shoot it to me uh, wherever you uh, prefer, and uh, we'll get the shipped out to you ASAP. Cool, awesome. Thank you again. No way, George Clooney banked seven gram rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I'd agree. <laughs> Probably. Oh, what am I doing? <laughs> What are we doing? I never know what we're doing anymore. Well, it's that you, time, isn't it? We have to go away. That's that yes. time. That time. Closing plugs. Mm-hmm. And I guess Alex should read those closing plugs out. Oh, wait a minute. All right. Well, unfortunately, that brings us uh, another episode of Weekend Horror to a close. Thank you all so much for listening, and we truly hope you enjoyed the show. Join us next week when director McClan Lindquist joins us as we discuss The Shining, Bug, Dead and Buried, and Drag Me to Hell. We'd like to send a special shout-out to all of our incredible patrons who have helped us make the show the success it has become. Alien X Gaming, Joe Knowles, Dark Steve, Sarcasm, Anthony, Dr. PhD, Tony, Mike Barrett, NANA, Alexis S., The Friendly Antinatalist, Jeff Roberts, Commander Darklight, Crafty Keela, Galvar, the Hand of Zod, Jessica G, Kyrie, and Jose Oladle. 
Visit us at WeekendHorror.net, where you can find links to all of our episodes, our bios, our merch store at Teespring, and, of course, enter your email for a permanent entry to win a mystery horror shirt every month, courtesy of $6shirts.com. There's an I that says edited, so I don't fix this. For more horror entertainment, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Followers get our daily splatter, a bit of horror info uh, into every day right into your feed you never know what new horrors you may discover subscribe to our channel and smash that bell like a zombie head for all the latest from our show we really hope you enjoyed the new live format and we'd love to get your feedback be sure to leave us a comment below as the interactions really help us with the dreaded algorithm it's like that movie and lastly if you truly love what we do here and you would like to and are able to support our production you can do so through our patreon we have subscriber tiers as low as a dollar, bonus and exclusive content and horror films every month for our highest tiers. However, if you prefer, you can support the show through our uh, PayPal as well. Links to everything, including our Discord community, where you can find film recommendations, trailers, trivia games, horror watch parties, and even interact directly with us are in the description below. And while the country is finally beginning to recover from recent events, we know that things are still pretty tight for many people. As always, simply commenting, liking, and sharing this show with friends in your local horror community is the absolute best way to help us continue to grow. We appreciate each and every one of you for being the greatest audience a podcast could have. I'm Johnny O, also known as Not Alex. I'm JL. And I'm Eugene. We'll see you next week. And as always, stay scared. <laughs>